Blog Talk Radio. Now there is something to touch and feel. The 2015 Miami Hurricanes were unveiled on a soggy night at Sun Life Stadium on Saturday. And even though Bethune-Cookman was an inept and incompetent opponent, if you focus strictly on the guys in orange, you began to get a feel for how Al Golden plans to try to right some wrongs this season. Actually, Miami didn't look so different from the Miami of a year ago. Duke Johnson out, Mark Walton in. Similar results. The same Brad Kaya and Joe Yearby. Philip Dorsett out, Rayshon Scott in. Defense by committee, enjoying a stat-building night against a team that posed absolutely no threat on the ground or in the air, just like the season began a year ago. And now, Miami fans, you have the number three-ranked defense in America after week one. Many people, including myself, thought the Hurricanes looked like a little bit of a faster team than a year ago. But now the season moves up to Boca Raton on Friday night against a more competent opponent in FAU. The schedule is setting up nicely for the Hurricanes in terms of progression of difficulty, with Nebraska the week after FAU, and then a road trip to Cincinnati before Miami takes on Florida State. The Coastal Division of the ACC is also in a bit of upheaval, with significant injuries to Pitt running back James Conner and Virginia Tech quarterback Michael Brewer. So we are only closing the book on week one, and already the drama of a football season is starting to unfold. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canesport Live, the fastest three hours in hurricane sport. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number, as always, is 646-595-2048. That's 646 646- Five nine five two zero four eight. We again have a hundred phone lines open tonight, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. We're going to use the same system we've been using that that allows you to stream the show on your phones as long as we have lines available. Um, those that want to participate in the in the show, um, we're going to tell you to prompt us by hitting the number one on your keypad. However, tonight we're going to start the show a little bit differently um, and. I wanted to spend a few moments with a friend whom you guys are very familiar with. Coach Howard Schnellenberger is the father of that FAU football program that Miami is going to face on Friday night, and you know what he did for the University of Miami. So what I'm going to ask you to do, um, if you want to ask a question of Coach Schnellenberger while he's with us on the show, right now hit the number one on your keypad and it'll let us know that you want to come on the show. If you don't want to talk to Coach Stellenberger and you've already hit the number one, just hit the number one again. It'll remove you from the queue, and I'll prompt you later when we go to the general portion of the show. So if you want to talk to Coach, uh, go ahead and hit the number one on your keypad now. Um, and if you've already hit it and you don't want to talk to him, just hit the one again. It'll remove you from, from the queue, and then we'll get you back on later on. All right, when the Hurricanes visit Boca Raton on Friday night, it's going to be another monumental moment for the OWL program that Coach Snellenberger started 15 seasons ago. It's certainly going to be the biggest game ever on the FAU campus. Coach, can you handle all the excitement that's going on up there? 
Well, I'm having a hard time doing it right now because you're more excited than I've heard you in years. <laughs> hey, Coach, I'm, I'm, Howard, I'm, 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 I'm totally fired up. I, I am the, the happiest guy in the world that a new season got here because um, I, I know you've been following the Hurricanes very closely, and I know you know how long the last off season was. Yeah, of course, and uh, we're getting out of the dog days of uh, summer with the baseball and getting into the glory days of football here in the autumn. And uh, we're starting the season uh, right here, and uh, it's a long season, but uh, this game is going to be a very important game for both teams. All right, well, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, you're obviously at FAU now. You're you're very prominently involved in the university. You're doing a lot of fundraising for them. You built the stadium that everybody's going to go to on Friday night, probably the toughest ticket, certainly in Palm Beach County sports history, you, you know, most likely. I mean, the other sporting events up there no, kind of have an attendance is. like the Honda Classic and stuff. Yeah, so um, you know, t- tell us about it. Tell us what's going on on the FAU campus right now, and and describe the excitement for us. Well, let's let's put it in perspective. You know, our stadium holds three, thirty uh, three uh, thirty thousand, and we've got fifty thousand people trying to get into those thirty thousand seats. So we've got a major dilemma. Uh, <laughs> traffic jam is going to be uh it's going to be a. Uh, tailgate extraordinary the Kane fans don't you know I don't know how much they uh, tailgate but we got a thousand acres for them to tailgate here and they'll be on one side of the stadium and the FAU people will be on the other side I'm required to be at both of them within the three hours before the game but uh, this game uh, even though it's not a uh, live or die for the season it certainly is a big step up for whichever team uh Finds the goal line more times than the other. Now, Coach, you know, you and I spoke the day that this deal was done, and um, you know, I, I called you, and uh, you told me then what a huge deal this was for FAU, and and how it it, it just raised the, the the level of I don't know if respectability is the right word, but you can probably put it into your own words um, of of the FAU program. Now, you know, programs like FAU, they they've played. You know, you guys when you were coaching, and and now um, with Charlie Partridge in there, they, they play big games all the time at FAU. I mean, you go on the road, you get paid. Um, the FAU's been to Alabama and. And, and many other of the great storied venues in college football. But the difference about this game on Saturday is that the president, and I apologize, if I forget her name, she was able to get Donna Shalala and the Miami Athletic Department to agree to a home-and-home. And you just don't see that very often in college football. Talk a little bit about that, and were you surprised that Miami agreed to a home-and-home, and and how big of a coup is that for FAU, not just to play Miami, because like I said, they've played big games, but to get Miami to come to their stadium? Well, I think it's a win-win for both of them. Uh, Obviously, University of Miami got the best of the deal, uh, getting two games on their home uh, turf, and we get the one. But we were were, uh, thrilled to get get the... uh, middle game of that uh, trifecta because it uh, allows us to play in front of uh, a potential, uh, uh, you know, a great fan base. Uh, You know, South Florida has a lot of fans, a lot of Hurricane fans, a lot of Dolphin fans, a lot of FAU fans, and uh, a lot of fans from from people from up east and and, uh, 
Florida and Florida State. So this showcases uh, this showcases uh, our program and it showcases gives us the opportunity to showcase that we're making progress and we're working up our ladder uh, so that uh, in the foreseeable future we can see us uh, going to bowl games again, going to uh, uh, playing uh, high, higher level teams and having a legitimate chance to win and win. And then and finally, not in not the too distant future, it's a chance to play for the best team in America. So this is one of those. You know, down when we played we were in Miami, that, that game when Jim Kelly started for the first time up against Penn State, uh, there was no chance that we could win that game. But uh, we had a pretty stout team at that time, and uh, with that new quarterback, at, uh, with Jim Kelly, the new quarterback, with nobody knowing about it until game time. Uh, and to get that win was the, was the pivotal game for everything that we did had been doing before and after. Now, you know, Howard, you know football fans, they're provincial, okay? And if you're if you're a Miami fan and you're looking at this game on Friday night, many many of them are saying, coach, why is Miami going on the road to play FAU and what does Miami have to gain from this? And aren't they subjecting themselves more to one of those monumental upsets um of what you're speaking? Ooh. And obviously when you go on certainly the road, not certainly not FAU. They're no, no, I'm talking about Miami. Good. Yeah, Isn't Miami, Miami risking a, an upset more by going to FAU than maybe playing them on their home field? Well, it shouldn't be. Hell, they've been playing football for a half, two thirds of a century or a century, and they've been <laughs> they've been they've been having opening games and two second game. They 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 should be well aware of this, and they've had the same coach now what five seven years. And, They've got a they've got a full uh, load of recruits down there. That it's time they test their metal, and that's what uh, that's why they wanted to get this game. This would be a very good game. It would be a quality game. It would be one that it was very interesting for South Florida. Paradise surely should have that this game. Uh, both both Miami and, and uh, Florida Atlantic are residents of Paradise, and. Uh, and it, it, there should be football in paradise. That was, that was what I was selling when we first started. Well, I don't, but it, you know, give Miami credit because I don't think most schools would make this deal. I, I'd be very surprised if you would see Florida what? State or Florida what? come what's down to Boca Raton. What, what, what's the difference between us and Bethune Cookman? Oh, but you don't. You won't see Miami going to Daytona Beach either. I mean, most schools wouldn't make this deal, and you know, it's to the president well, of FAU's credit that they were able to get them to do it. Well, look, look where they have to, how much they have to pay to go up to uh, Dolphin Stadium. That's a hundred thousand dollar rent rent up there, and uh, they we get they get we get uh, and they get two home games. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt that they got the two for one. But I'm just saying, I don't think most most major schools in college football would would make a deal like this when they play a, a team. You know, I don't want to say an inferior team, but when they play a, a, a team that's considered at a lower level, they like to have those games at home. But I guess the the best way for me to ask you this question, and then we'll move on because I do think it's a fascinating subject. And and obviously the fact that Miami doesn't have to charter a plane and pay for ho- uh, to um, extra meals and stuff and hotels and stuff to the degree that they would if they were having a normal road game probably 
factored in as well. But if Howard Schnellenberger were running the University of Miami football program right now, do you give up a home a home date with a local team like this and go up to their stadium? Well, we were doing it. We were doing it uh, in Miami when I started. The first game I I coached in was against the University of Louisville uh, at the Dolphin Stadium. I mean, at uh, the Orange Bowl, and uh, we won it. And uh, then because we, we had a home and home with them, uh, I, I I got that game with the University of Louisville. I was thinking my way of thinking, Louisville was going to be a was going to be a uh, good team in time, and that we should uh, we should get a home and home with them. All right. Now you mentioned Jim Kelly and taking Jim Kelly to Penn State, and and obviously everybody who follows Miami football knows just what a massive day that was, and and how special it was, and and you're equating it to what it would mean to FAU to to beat Miami. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, it would it would even be better than going up there and, and when you know going to Miami and win it, it win it here in front of our home crowd, uh, signaling that we have arrived, and hearkening uh, uh, to the days to come. Uh, hell, the season ticket sales would have to have a big peak at if we would win this game. What percentage of the crowd on Friday night will be FAU fans, and what percentage will be Miami? Well, it's hard to say, but uh, you know, I think we gave them about three three thousand uh, tickets, and it's a thirty thousand seat stadium. But I know it's going to be closer to fifty uh, fifty than it's going to be seventy uh, uh, thirty. Um, Al Golden said yesterday that the Canes are going into a hornet's nest Friday night. Do you agree? Hell yeah, hell yeah. I don't know how, how, <laughs> how good the stinger, stinger is, but he's coming into a harness now, that's for sure. Anything special planned up there that you know of? Uh, I'm not privileged to that. I, I don't want to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not, uh, they're not uh, ashamed of the game that they lost out there at Tulsa. And they're pretty proud of what they uh, of most of the game, but their their problem now is get get past the, the, the they they've played great games for for two thirds of the game five five tenths of the, I mean almost all of the game but in the fourth quarter they've lost it several times so uh, even though they uh, even though they didn't win it they uh, they've got a good experience and they feel. That uh, it, it puts them in a good spot to try to, to have a chance to pull out a, a, a very tight game and, and probably hopefully a win. I heard they're going to have you uh, participate in the pregame coin toss. Yeah, that, they, they, uh, that during earlier in the week they uh, said that they would like me to do that, and I said whatever you want me to do, and you know it's, it's appropriate because. Uh, uh, of the uh, relationship of this, uh, you know, this is like a, it's like brothers out there they're playing. You know, the thing that's never talked about enough with this team up here uh, is that last year we had 27, uh, 37 kids that we re- re- recruited from Orlando, Tampa South, and you know what that is? That's the state of Miami, and 
and only three were uh, uh, north of uh, the I-4 corridor. And I think there was one from out of state. So uh, Miami has, maybe not to the degree, but are still taking a lot of Florida kids. So there's a lot of talent going to be on both sides of the of the field. And uh, each team is trying to get their best 24, uh, 22 uh, set up so that they're playing with their best kids, but with the next best kids right behind them so that they grow and develop as a unit and uh, uh, carry this carry the, these teams now up past the mid 50% level and into the uh, plus level. All right, let me uh, shift gears here for a moment. And I just want to tell everybody that doesn't know that you have a new book that came out a couple of years ago called Passing the Torch. And um, I had a chance to read it. It's a phenomenal read and takes people inside your coaching career and, and just gives them an inside look at some of the different experiences that you had working for the different people you with that, that you worked with and the experiences that you had as a head coach. How's life as an author been? Well, that's been very good. It's been very rewarding, first of all, to write the book. It took two years to write it and a half a year to uh, get it ready to start to write it. And my author was uh, the guy that was the uh, editor of the Vulcan News, and his name is Ron Smith, and he did a wonderful job. I gave him one uh, one marching order. Make goddamn sure it sounds like my voice and my <laughs> me talking to you. And he did, and uh, Beverly uh, did a magnificent job of her, in her part of the book. So it covers not only uh, the coaching side of it, but also the family side of it and the player side of it. And, and uh, demonstrates points out clearly that the only reason why I could have enough confidence to win at Miami when it was so hard, it was so bad when I got down there, because uh, I had all my, all of my teachers were Hall of Famers, and uh, that gave me the confidence to say, "Hell, I, I don't, I didn't have to study, I didn't have to go take tests, I had to go to work every day and just do what they did, and that's what I did down there, and what we've done up here." So, yeah, it's 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 a, a different book, but it's that's uh, exactly what I want to show: how much there had to be done outside of X's and O's. Uh, outside of recruiting, outside of putting a staff together, uh, all the things you do to, to bring three uh, to to the team, and all the things you do to make sure you uh, weed out the uh, weaklings—I mean, mental weaklings—only uh, keep a few the proud, the Marines, and uh, <laughs> those those are the guys that uh, won that national championship in Miami. That's the ones that. Took the Louisville to the next level and built a stadium. That's the one that took us from obscure, from birth in three years to the fourth best team in America and five years of a conference champion and two back to back bowl games. So, uh, and it was mostly with these South Florida kids that we had. So you've been traveling all over the country doing book signings, and, and you're actually going to be doing one outside the stadium on Friday night. Um, I guess the spot is the, the Howard Schnellenberger statue outside of FAU well, Stadium. Yeah, it's right by the bookstore. It's only a few steps away, so we're going to take a 
few steps away and see if we can't sign them right there under the under the statue and the arches that cover us on top of the statue to make a good uh, photo shoot for anybody who wants to that may not want a book but wants to get a photo op of not only me but of the uh, of the statue that that they put there for me. God love them and uh, and uh, the stadium in the background. Sounds like a great uh, photo backdrop. And uh, those of you who are going to the game, you know, try to stop by and see Coach. Uh, I don't think you'll regret it if you can get that picture. It'll be a great uh, keepsake. Wanted to ask you a, a couple questions, football related. Um, you know, you were the father passing game in college football, you know, so, so to speak. I, I mean, nobody brought that pro style passing game into the game the way you did at the time you did it. What's going through your mind today when you turn on your television and watch college football and you see all of these spread offenses with quarterbacks running around like fullbacks and uh, the, the game's totally changed. But what, what's going through your mind when you're watching that? Well, the biggest thing is that they're not preparing the same way they did in, in years past. In years past, it, it was more of a it was more of a physical uh, uh, practice. We we didn't practice all year long. We practiced in the spring a certain number of days, and then we'd come back and have a certain number of days to uh, to uh, practice football before the first game. But uh, you know, the opening the op- I'll give you the best example of what I'm talking about. The first thing, and you know this as well, because you were out there when we would have first day of practice. No matter where you were, every team in the United States of America had a drill called the Oklahoma drill, and that's when you put three linemen on the line of scrimmage, three backs behind them, one quarterback, and you call on a play, giving them one, one of those three backs. And trying to you run the ball, you put it on a ten. You try to get, see if you can get ten yards and three tries. And that was a knock them down, pick them up, push them back. That was a that was a total physical uh, demonstration of how well you've been conditioned and how tough you were and that kind of thing. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. In fact, uh, you, you can't have but maybe one practice, or one scrimmage a week, and during a season, I don't know if you can even scrimmage anymore. And they've taken taken all the manhood out of the thing, and uh, tried to complete as many passes as they can. Most of them are going to be under 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 ten yards long. And uh, don't worry about when you get to the end zone; you're going to act like you're still out in the middle of the field. And uh, no no pulling and tra- very little pulling and trapping and and uh, power plays and things like that. So it's a different style. We we ran that style of what we called that the two minute drill. And we still <laughs> had our we still had our off tackle trap and we still had our inside trap and we had our toss sweep. But we also had four four receivers anytime we wanted to get it and we still ran play action, uh, flooding the zones and uh and that you know that's what the pros they're, they're changing a little bit. But the good ones are still playing the old the pro pro style attack. The, the Paul Brown offense. He, he's a guy that put it together the best, and uh, he had a lot of disciples. Don Chu and I are both disciples. 
Well, you know, you're so right because I, you know, I, I remember your practices like they were just yesterday, and uh, it, it's so funny because like often when I'm out at Green Tree, I think of them and I and, and I think of of you out there as a head coach, and it's just so funny. It's like now you got <clears throat> you got players running around in yellow jerseys because a GPS device has told the coaching staff that their bodies um, are, are getting a little worn out and they maybe could use a day of rest. So they kind of like hold them out of practice for a day so that their bodies can re- can recover up the, so that the GPS devices will register that they're at a hundred percent efficiency. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's a totally different deal. But the one thing I'll say about James Coley, who's Miami's offensive coordinator now coach is you know, he's going about this a little bit differently than a lot of coaches around the country. We, you know, when we watch the games, you see quarterbacks looking over to the bench and somebody's holding up a picture or a sign, which is a signal to them telling them where to go with the football uh, based on what the defense is doing. And, and what Coley's doing is he, he doesn't want to take the game out of the hands of his quarterback exactly the way you coached. You know, all those years ago with, with, with Bernie and Vinny, and, you know, you taught them to read the defenses, and you taught them the audible, and, and that's what he's doing with Brad Kaya. And I give him a lot of credit because a lot of these coaches around the country are selling those kids short because they're not going to be prepared for the National Football League when they graduate from college with the way that they're being um, utilized to execute game plans. And it's the quarterbacks that are old school, the way Howard Schnellenberger used to coach them, that are going to come out of college and be best equipped to go into the National Football League. Well, there's no question about that, but the big thing is, what are you going to do to help win your game? Well, you got to have a quarterback field general out there because you can't change the plays as fast as you need to change them from the sideline. There's not enough time. You know, there's 25 seconds between plays. So when he gets up there and you send him a play in, he gets up there and they've got a stacked defense that's going to take that play away. You've got to get 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 out of that play and get into a better play, and that's the only thing that we taught all the time. The quarterbacks have the have the responsibility, not the right, but they've got the responsibility to get us out of a bad play and get us into a better play. And uh, that in, in almost every game we had. When we're playing people of our caliber, uh, two or three of those getting out of the play and getting into a better play uh, is what won the game. Another football question I want to ask you, because it's it's on the minds of a lot of fans, very much debated, largely because Miami's had such a hard time executing it properly. But um, people love to pick on bubble screens, uh, you know, horizontal passes. Um, and, and you see a lot of teams use them. Miami uses them extensively. Um, I, I believe I remember the, the, the bubble screen or the quick hitch being part of the Howard Schnellenberger offense. But what do you think sure. of that play? And, and, and what, what, is, what are coaches trying to accomplish when they're running bubble screens? Well, first of all, I don't think it's a steady diet, and that's what they're doing out there. You're having 20% of your plays are caught behind the line of scrimmage. And that's, that's <laughs> mathematically, that's not a very good deal. Uh, and, but if you it, but if you tie it in uh, doing a doing a, a, a you love to get it on a blitz because uh, everybody has to cover everybody one on one and you're only going to go back there uh, three steps and throw in 1.5 seconds and if you got the right guy coming open at the right time two thirds of the time it's a touchdown 
And uh, but but they do it so much on first down that uh, they're trying to get five yards with a pass like that. Well, it's it's it, it really you're going they're going to screw up two out of three. So you know the odds are you're just, you've got to do a lot of things good for a long time to go in in uh, first and ten, second and three, second and uh, second and seven, third and three, and then finally fourth down, uh, fourth and three. Uh, Fourth and three, and then make a first down. You, it's it's good to have a, a stable defense offense, but you don't want to be throwing it, making the ball, uh, the pass, uh, more times than you do the run. The run is a safe, much safer play than the pass, and and, uh, and you can make two or three yards with a running game. Uh, a whole lot less chance of making an error than you can throwing the ball two or three yards deep. All right, Coach, I think what I want to do now is uh, give you a chance to talk to a few of the fans, give them a chance to renew their acquaintance with you. Um, those of you that are listening, if you would like to talk to Coach Snellenberger on the show, hit the number one on your keypad. That'll uh, give me a little bit of a signal that you want to come on. If you do not want to talk to Coach and you've already hit the number one, hit it again. It'll remove you from the queue, um, and we'll get you back in, into the mix when we get into the general portion of, of our show. So um, let's start out with our first question for Coach Nellenberger. Let's go out to the 678, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're having a Hello. good time. Hey, I had a question for Howard. This is, this is C.D. Wright. Okay. Hi, How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Hey, what are you – what is your – I was listening to uh, Alonzo Highsmith uh, one day. And he was talking about the importance of having your your own stadium and an indoor stadium as well. And he was saying that, you know, there's no reason that a school like Miami should not have that. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on uh, how you feel about Miami not having their own stadium and their own indoor stadium. you think that's something that uh, they should be trying to work on or – he that's means indoor practice realistic. facility, Coach. CD, you mean indoor practice facility. In, indoor practice facility and their own right. outdoor stadium. Yeah. Well, let's let's mix the indoor the indoor uh, outdoor facility to get in and out of the heat. And, I mean, the uh, rain and the uh, lightning. Uh, that's good for the that uh, everybody's doing that for the Joneses. Uh, you know how it used to be when you. Everybody was buying bigger houses all the time, and they say you're keeping up with the job. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that they're trying to do there. But we got you got to play play football outside, so you got to practice football outside. You got to you got to play be out there when it's raining, so you have got the wet ball drills and all those things. But uh, but as far as the stadium, yes, that's the reason. If you haven't read my book, you don't know that that was part of the reason why. I, I thought I had to leave Miami is because the university had told me that they were never going to build a stadium. And uh, a, a stadium on a college campus is why, why the game of football was, was ever started playing back at 16, uh, 18 and six, uh, 69 up in the Ivy League. They started playing football, and they started building campus stadiums on the campus. And they did until the day students would come back after graduation and uh, come back to the stadium, the, ca- the campus, watch the football games, have a good time, uh, yep. start start giving money back to the stadium so 
the library, the uh, business school, the law school all began to raise money in that fashion. And, but the big thing is the development of college life on the, on the stadium. Most 98% of colleges have students on the, most of their students on campus. And yeah. uh, they uh, have things to do on the weekends. They have to have college life. And then this is what progregates it and, and, and makes the college experience, uh, along with, you know, the academic phase of it, makes makes that why people like to go to college and they like to go to colleges where they have good football teams so they can be proud of it. They can, they can, they can all come together as brothers and sisters. They can become... Uh, Gators, they can become war eagles, they can become uh, dolphins, whatever. And okay. uh, that's the big thing about a stadium. Bring the students together, bring the alumni back, get them all on campus. So, uh, six uh, six Saturdays out of the year, and uh, have a have a fiesta. Bowl, have, have a fiest. Uh, <laughs> I I'd agree. Yeah, yes. and one last. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's why they have tailgate parties. Yes. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask you one last uh, question. How do you feel about the your your best players playing on special teams, like as a returner? Well, it's best to to, to play people that are that are young players that are developing and are number number twos or number threes in their position. Because uh, it, it takes something out of you when you're playing uh, 72 plays a game uh, on offense, and, and uh, then you then you play 25 plays on on uh, special teams. So that's the reason why is to get the young people involved with the game. It's it, it's be hard if you were a freshman, and you were a pretty good player, and you had two guys really good in front of you, and you were mm-hmm. practicing, practicing all the time, and you didn't get any playing time in. That's why you you know what the, keeps your interest in is getting in the games. And after your third year, and you're not getting in the games. Uh, you know, then you start. You know, football is about not going to be in my future. I'm going to I'm going to <laughs> buckle down, study or Right. All right, CD. I'm going to leave you on hold in case you want to come back on the show later. You can um, let us know. Hey, hey, coach. You know, listening to you talk about that subject, I just want to ask you real quick. Um, I am a big proponent of redshirting, and you know, through my years of watching college football, uh, I have found that the, the coaches that that redshirt their freshmen to the best of their ability and and stockpile talent on their teams are the ones yeah. that are best positioned to, to win championships. And um, to, today's game seems to have gotten a lot different where everyone's playing all their true freshmen. Uh, where do you stand today on the subject of redshirting? Well, uh, I think you're losing. You're going the wrong way. you got to play. you got to try to recruit as many good players as you can play. Uh, keep them interested in uh, – in their school work, so that even if uh, even if they get to their degree in their junior year, that they stay on with their their uh, their uh, fifth year, uh, and and they can and then then they can play. The more you the more playing time you have on each of your football players, uh, it makes them more valuable and a better player. The thing you have to remember, most kids come to college when they're 18 years old and they leave when they're 25, 22 years old, sometimes 23. 
they're usually a five-year period. Four-year period, uh, you're not redshirted. You, you have to graduate. So you're you're truly going to be better at 23 than you are at 17 or 18. And uh, if you've still got a year of eligibility in those last years, then that, that gives it. Uh, the, the, your championship teams are all you know, have a high, high percentage of seniors and juniors, a lower percentage of, of fours, and then a big freshman class. Yep, I I totally agree, and I'm not surprised that you still feel that way. All right, let's go out now to the uh, four zero four. You're on Kane Sport Live with Coach Snellenberger. Jerry, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Welcome to the show. This is Roland in uh, New Orleans. All right, Roland, Where? what you got? New Orleans. New Orleans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy smoke. I know, I know. I know. I, oh, I Coach, know. We, we, we we unite the fans all over the country on this show. Coach, I, Holy Coach, smoke. Coach, I know one of your old players, uh, Mel Bratton. Yeah, Mel. How's that man? I'm sorry, say that again? I say, how's he doing? I haven't seen him in a while. He's doing, he's doing good, man. He's doing really, really good. He's doing good. Really, really where's good. He, where's he living? He's in, he's in Georgia. Jeez. He's in Georgia. Okay. Yeah, he's doing okay. good. Well, I hope he comes down this way. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Wait, uh, yeah, I talk to him. I get a chance to talk to him uh, when I see him, uh, when, I, when I'm up in, in, in Atlanta. And uh, just a good, all-around good, good person, man. Really good person. Um, I had a question for you. you back when, we, when you were coaching Miami, and you 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 stated like in the uh, you documentary the, the state of Miami, well like the whole state of Miami, and you recruited from a certain area like Tampa and all the way down. Uh, this is the yeah. first question. Uh, do you feel like the current regime is pick is doing the same thing that you that you were doing back 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 when you were coaching Miami? That's our first question. Well, I think they. I don't think they're as as dead set on it as we were. We. Uh, we we felt that if we could if we could uh, keep all of our recruits our coaches in the state of Miami and they they didn't have to go up to to, uh, to Atlanta or to Birmingham or even up up uh, up east that uh, we could get enrolled into their family into the coaching their high school coaches into the school and we could develop relationships that, so that we could. Keep the really good ones here at home. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's what we were able to do. We we could see the kids twice as many times during the course of the year as people coming down from uh, Atlanta or or up east, Boston College or Penn State or or even Alabama. They can't. They they got. They all got to recruit their home state. Mm-hmm. They just don't have as many good players. Alabama has a lot of good players, but not as many. Still, the, the number one team uh, state in the union is California. They got they have the most Division One players, the Division One A players. Then you go to Texas, and they're the second. And Florida is the third, but we're the first per capita because the Florida, Florida uh, California is the most populated state. Texas the most, second most populated. And, we're the third. Each year, 360 kids will sign Division One scholarships from the state of Florida. Of that 365, 300 will be south of the of the uh, uh, Highway Four that goes from Tampa to Orlando. 
So that's a lot of players. That is a lot. Yeah, you can't take more than about thirteen a year because uh, your your totals goes up to eighty five. You divide eighty five and four times, uh, you get about thirteen, fourteen, fifteen kids that you can sign in any one year. So you can get the the best ones every year. Then you're going to put together a group like we had when we beat Nebraska and mm-hmm. we got the first championship. When Jimmy Johnson came in, he had he had fifty. Let's see, he had uh, fifty-seven, fifty-seven freshmen on that team. Wow! And the rest of them were seniors and juniors. And he did. We were able to do that because of. Uh, the most of them, uh, 80, 85% of them are from South Florida. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. You know, you know what else I got one other They had 15 years after we won that thing in 83, 15 years of a dynasty. Coach, I got one last question for you. When I'm uh, traveling everywhere, I tell you what, uh, no matter if I'm in Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, even in Utah, People say the same thing, man. They keep asking. And every everybody loves Miami. And they keep saying, man, when when is the program going to get back to the heydays when you were coaching? You know that helicopter? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> well, I think he's got a helicopter flying over his house or something. <laughs> He'll be with you in a second. Coach, you still there? Uh, it's gone. <laughs> I thought that was an invasion. <laughs> so, Coach, did you hear his question? He 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 wants your opinion. When, when's Miami going to get back and in, into yeah, prominent coach, college football? Like I I, go, I travel all over the country, and everybody says the same thing. They say, "Man, I love those chains. I love just that whole Miami just invented, just they they, they created, and 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 yeah, and, 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 and set the tone. When, when so." When is that? When is that Miami gonna come back? Because because I, I I'm missing it, and I miss I miss when you when you 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 set the tone, and Miami set the tone for college football, and uh, back well when you when, when you were coaching, you know you, you, no don't get me wrong, you had these Alabamas and you you had these SEC schools, but it was all about the Miamis, the Nebraska, well, the Penn State. I mean, coach, we need Miami to be back. But just what I talk about. Our our kids were better athletes. More they they were trained better because we had the Marine Corps. You know, I, I got my upbringing from Coach Bryant. We were, I played for him up at University of Kentucky. We went out to Millersburg in the spring and fall practice with 140 kids, and we sat out there for a month. And at the end of the month, uh, we got we got. Three buses. We had forty of us out of one hundred and forty. The other, the other hundred went to Eastern, Western, Murray, Moorhead, or Marshall. All those teacher schools in Kentucky, and and those guys that went back to went back to campus, they were they were tough guys, but they were also good football players, and uh, that's what that's what we were able to do in, at Miami, and we. We had we went out and recruited the best ones that are there. We got we got them all to come to, with us. Then you then you uh, train them so that they they could they could take whatever 
long practices there were, whatever hot days there was. Anytime I got really mad, they they, they could withstand that. And uh, <laughs> barely, <laughs> barely. <laughs> like my wife, like my wife told me, she said that, that was back in the days when men were men and uh, the women were glad of it. <laughs> Coach Mellenberg, I'm going to tell him, when the next time I see Melvin Bratton, I'm going to tell him hello for you. And yeah, I'll do that. Tell him to bring Highsmith with him. Bring, <laughs> to bring Highsmith with him, okay, I'll do that. And I tell you, I really respect every, everything you did for the for the program. And just, just you know, wish you and your family nothing but the best, man. And uh, Thank you. Have, thank you. Not a problem. All right, Roland, I'm going to – I'm going to put you on hold in, in case you want to come back on the show later on. Let's uh, try to get one or two more quick ones in. Uh, let's go to the 240. You're now live on Kane Sport Live with Coach Snellenberger. Hey, Gary, what's going on? This is uh, D. Black from uh, D.C. What's up, D. Black? Talk to the coach. No, no much. Hey, Coach, how you doing, Coach? I'm good. What, where are you? I'm in, uh, I'm in Washington, D.C. Oh, I'm, am- I'm amazed. I'm mesmerized by what I'm hearing. Atlanta. <laughs> wow. You've been doing this for Four a few cars. years, Coach. This, this is this is Four on years. Tuesday nights. The Canes Nation unites on this show. Oh, yeah, Coach. Hey. It took this long to get me on here, huh? <laughs> no, you, you were on last year. <laughs> yeah, but what like the, this? <laughs> look, the love, look, the love for the program stretches long and far, Coach. It stretches long and far. Uh, my question for you is: uh, Back when you was at back when you was at UM, you was able to get a lot of the the homegrown talent to stay home. Yeah. What do you What do you see as the problem with this regime not being able to keep a lot of the homegrown stars home? Well, I'll tell you what the biggest problem is: the NCAA in the last twenty years has. Uh, Rip more havoc on the University of Miami than uh, any other college in, in the nation, and that that is a big burden to, to cover to, to handle. And uh, and Al coming in here like he did when there, there was a, there was an investigation going on uh, before he got here, and he didn't know about it, and they didn't tell him about it. And when they found out about it, he decided he would stay rather than leave. And then everything got going a little bit better, and then all of a sudden that damn thing came with, with that those guys going to jail with on fraud and all that stuff that was happening there. And they took the forty. What, how many uh, scholarships did they take away? Forty, forty some scholarships in over a three or four year period. That got them nailed down again, and then they they got through that, and then they came back with. Uh, uh, the NCA coming down, uh, the university coming down on the NCA because they had uh, they had got some information from a guy that was having a civil suit, and, and, and so the NCA got in trouble with the federal government, and they, they took that out on. So it's been a lot of that. Uh, Al Golden, I think, has done a hell of a job keeping them together, but. Uh, when you've got NCA uh, problems, in, you know, over a period of time, uh, 
mothers and dads started wondering what is it best is it is it uh, should we let our kids go down to in that situation? But uh, he's hung in there. He's hung in there. That's the reason why I'm still cheering for him. Uh, he's doing the. He's working hard. He's getting. He's showing signs of uh, getting it up, and then have a setback or two. It, it, it might take some more time, but uh, in, the, in the finale, in the finale, there's still just as many good players, and uh, the only other thing that I, that I see that might make it hard is the NCAA is re- regulating everything, and uh, coaches can't outwork other coaches because the, the restrictions they have on uh, recruiting, the restrictions they have on uh, on uh, time of practice, and uh, and now this damn money thing, where they're they're they're, they're uh, they want to they want to pay the players more money than they actually need to pay them. Right. You know, back in the, back in the old days, uh, uh, you know, we they got three hot meals a, a day and a bed. We called it three hots and a flop. And, <laughs> right. we, said, and we said, Christ, look at us. My buddies coming out of high school are out working in the, in the steel mills and driving trucks. And here I am in college playing football with all these good looking girls around. And uh, everybody, you know, everybody says, sir, to me. And it, 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 life is, life is good. And, uh, and we didn't have to worry about money. Um, now, uh, for some unknown reason, I, and I think it comes from not so much the players; uh, it comes from the agents and from the uh, and the adults that think uh, think that it's a moral sin that uh, the fact that they're getting a hundred thousand uh, dollar scholarship to get a degree. And those that uh, come from very poor families can get the twenty uh, two thousand five hundred dollars a semester if their income is uh, at the lowest level. Uh, gee, that seems like that, but uh, having too much money in your pocket never did, and most of the time that hurts you. Okay, okay, I understand. I understand. So, do you think? So, do you think if Al? Doesn't win ten games this year. Do you, do you he can't comment on that. You, you, come on, D Black, you can't put him in that spot. I mean, he's a. No, you know, I'll, I'll tell I you mean, what. It's, it's just it's just an opinion. I mean, it's just. No, I mean, but, it's, but, I'll put like this. Put like, do you think it's fair? Do you think it's fair that people are saying if he doesn't that's, win ten that's, games, that's, he be that's all presumption. Let's let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's put. That's everybody that, that declares that they are loyal sons and daughters of the University of Miami. Let's 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 be loyal sons and daughters until uh, until the game the year is over, and then after the year is over, then that's the time to talk about those things. The presumption. D Black, I'm going to put you on hold in case you want to come back on the show later. Okay. Ah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, you know, Coach, obviously that's a, a huge topic. Everybody wants to know how many wins does Al Golden oh, need to have this yeah, year to keep yeah, his yeah. job. But it's not that simple. You've know, you got to let it play out. No, 
No, well, there's no reason to talk about it. If, if, they're, if, they, if they really love Miami, they'll keep their mouth shut and and and, and, and praise him until uh, until the day they uh, wins the championship or the day he uh, retires. Got to got to let got to let the season play out. Uh, you got time for one or two more, Coach? Sure. All right, let's go to the 202, where you are now live with Coach Snellenberger on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Hello. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, yeah, hello. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Coach, how you doing, Coach? I'm fine. How are you? Where are you? From D.C. King's fan from D.C. D.C., Yes, sir. Oh, yes, it is. Um, uh, um, my question is, why why does our Golden always be playing too many kids? Like especially like people taking corners, people taking safeties. I mean, like I can understand if you if you like rotating linebackers in certain situations, and you know nose tackles and DNs, but you don't take corners and safeties constantly. I don't like my like my problem is I, I just don't like the defense. The whole scheme. I hate the defense. If the defense is not working for the past three years, would you change it or something? I, I have. Been... Hey, hey, Coach. Yeah. Let, you know, let me let me qualify this one for you because you you know you may yeah, not. I'll do that. Be, um, I, ba- yeah. Basically, the philosophy uh, right now is to play a lot of guys, and you know, in the in the old days or old school football, you, you would have your your starting tackles, you'd have your starting ends, your starting linebackers, and your four starters in the secondary, and they would get the majority of the snaps in in a ball game. And and what's happening now um, is your starting defensive tackle might get 20 snaps in in a ball game. And um, you know, there's constant rotation, uh, there's constant specialization, um, and really, what ends up happening um, in you know, I guess in some opinions, and one of them's mine, is that players don't necessarily develop to the fullest of their potential because they're always on a swivel, and you know they don't get used to the tempo of the game. Um, they're not getting as many reps as they might have gotten, you know, if they were a legitimate starter who's out there on at least two of the three downs. And um, so that's what I think he's asking you: is your opinion on? Um, Substitution on the, during the course on the of, of, the, of a game, and and he's asking you particularly about the DBs and 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 just in terms oh, of the number of guys that you play. And I'll add another element to it from my standpoint: how hard is it to get that many kids ready to play a ball game? Well, it's it, that's why they that's the reason why they don't uh, do much correction on the field anymore. They they uh, got to run. They feel like they got to run two hundred plays. Uh, you know, like a normal game for the offense is uh, about 70, 70 plays, 75, two plays. Defense the same way. But the big thing is, uh, I don't understand how you cannot keep your best your best football players in the game as much as you can, and only substitute uh, only substitute when they're they've been out there way too long. But that that usually is not the case. So we would have our first string defense and our first string offense, uh, you know, would would uh, play eighty percent, ninety percent of the game, and then there would be some substitutions going on. 
and uh, receivers and DBs, maybe you need an extra one because they have to run. They have to run deep a few more times. But if you're in great physical condition, you can play the whole game. I mean, you know, I mean, the number of people that play the game, uh, any one game, is not going to. Not going to be the determination of who wins or loses. I can't see it, but the best teams have the best guys on the field the most most periods of time that's in the game. So, All right, I'm going to um, I'm going to I'm going to put you on hold in case you want to come back on the show later, uh, Coach. We talked about the the speed of offense and 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 how it's basically the two minute offense the whole game now. Does does that change that perspective at all? I I don't know. I didn't. I've never done it that way. Uh, I mean, you know, when I look at it, you know, my feeling is that if you have your best players on the field, and 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 nobody's forty fifty deep, I don't even know if Alabama and Ohio State are. are, Well, Ohio State might be based on what we saw last night, but most teams aren't fifty deep. Okay, and and I my feeling is if you have your best players on the field, you got a better chance of negating that hurry up offense by getting them off the field in three downs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what you try to do: get them off the field, and then and then then put your your offense out there and let that offense dominate. It. And if you if you're not throwing the ball on, on every down, you can you can uh, you can you can run the damn thing and make a you know make some first downs, and then take your shots down the field every once in a while. All right, let's take one more call for you from the nine five four this time. We'll go local. You're now live on Kate Sport Live. Are you with us? Nine five four. Is that? Got to be quicker. Sorry about that. Um, actually, we got one more from the eight five zero. You're on with Coach Snellenberger on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? We wore right. him out. Yeah, we wore them out. All right, um, Coach, I'm going to let you go. You know, obviously, thank you so much for taking this time, and I know everybody got an enormous amount out of it. It's always great talking football with you, and um, it's going to be it's going to be enemy territory, but it's still going to be wonderful to see you up there in Boca Raton, football in paradise. You called it many many years ago. And um, I think everyone's going to enjoy coming up there and seeing the stadium that you built and the whole infrastructure in place there at FAU. And should be a fun night on Friday. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity to uh, speak with your uh, with your group with your group. <laughs> Anytime, Coach. You're always welcome on this show. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. All right, that was the great one. Coach Howard Schnellenberger, can't thank him enough for giving us an hour of his time here uh, to talk football on Kane Sport Live. Um, Before we get into the meat of the show here, I want to take a moment to talk about our new sponsor, FanDuel.com. We talked a little bit about it last week. I'll talk about it more right now real quick Um, because – the NFL season starting this weekend, and we're, we're on board with FanDuel. We've got a canesport.com league set up for you guys uh, by FanDuel, and uh, just need to let you know a little bit more about it. 
Um, if you go to FanDuel.com right now during the show, after the show, and you use the promo code Kane, they will match your deposit with bonus bucks up to 200 bucks. So if you if you deposit $100, they'll give you an extra 100 to use during the course of the season. Um, and just to give you an idea of what they're doing for all of our subscribers at canesport.com, one of the games on FanDuel this year is going to be Kane Sports One Week Fantasy Football League, which is going to be open to the first 100 Kane fans who sign up each week with an entry fee of $10. And when you go on there, you'll see there's a guaranteed prize pool, and it, it should be a, a lot of fun during the season if everybody participates. Um, so, you know, I encourage everyone to join us. I'm, my entry is already in there. Um, I'm going to be in there every every week trying to kick your guys' butts in fantasy. Um, I promise you Philip Dorsett's going to be one of my receivers. Um, I gave that out um, last week, and I, I plan to stick with it. Um, so, you know, go to FanDuel.com, sign up, get your bonus bucks using the promo code Kane, and then you can find the Canesport.com league by going to FanDuel.com forward slash Kane. That's FanDuel.com forward slash Kane, and that's where you're going to find our Canesport.com fantasy league uh, for the season. Building a team is really easy. You just pick your players, you stay under the salary cap, and then you sit back on Sunday and try to win. Although, you know, I'm telling you, I'm I'm not planning on coming in second too many times. Um, there's all kinds of games, you know, besides the canesport.com game. Uh, entry fees start at just $1. Anybody can play. Um, so go to fanduel.com and you can click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code Kane, C-A-N-E, and sign up now. For every dollar you deposit, like I said, FanDuel is going to match it. Um, so FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season, that's FanDuel.com. Go sign up today and play fantasy football with us. All right, now let's get to the meat of the show. Um, as always, we asked the, the fans on the message boards at Canesport.com to provide some of the topics and questions that you guys would like to see addressed on tonight's show. And, and here is what everybody came up with. And before I go through these, let me preface it by saying, you know, if you want to come on the show after I go through these topics, you hit the number one on your keypad. That will prompt me that you want to come on, um, and we'll get to your calls in a second. Um, but the topics that were uh, sent in this week, um, the first one was asking me to explain my position on why the Hurricanes shouldn't be rotating, for example, 10 guys on the defensive line. Um, even Coach Golden said that the twos brought more energy last week. And the best explanation I think you heard when we were just talking about it with Coach Nellenberger, I just don't believe like, – they played 30 guys, okay, on on defense last week. 30 guys. And, you know, I just – I don't think that you can do that. And and I don't understand why – and, and – you know, I'm not sitting here. You know, I'm, I'm, I agree with Coach Stellenberger. This is not a time to be critical, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just explaining my philosophy on this. I, I will never understand why, for example, Kendrick Norton needs to play ten plays a game right now at this stage of his career. I think he'd be much better suited to be redshirting and and um, be working in the weight room and losing his baby fat and getting himself into peak physical condition for a year from now when he's a redshirt freshman and more acclimated to the college game and better equipped 
to to be a, a contributing football player on this team. Like like Coach Snellenberger said, a kid who's 23 is better than a kid who's 18, and you get that at the end of their career. But even right now, a kid who's 19 is better is going to be better than a kid who's 18 if he's been in the program for a year developing. So um, I just think playing 30 guys, way too many. Um, I think there's a lot of unnecessary substitution, and um, you know I would really like to see them tighten it up. And and I just think that it, it's it's a challenge when you get into the real real games against the Nebraskas and the Florida States, um, Virginia Techs of the world, Clemsons, to prepare that many kids to, to be ready to function at a high level on game day. So that's, that's my position on that. There, there's no reason in the world why you need to rotate 10 guys on the defensive line. You know, you start with your best four. Um, obviously, tackles get gassed first. You might, you know, bring a, a third guy into the rotation uh, when somebody needs a break or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah, you might have a, a situational pass rusher that comes into the game on third down. Okay, but that's six guys. Okay, there's, to me, there's no reason that you need to have more than six or seven guys. Ten is, in my opinion, way too many. Um, okay, next question was: Do you attribute the second team offensive line having a bigger impact? due to Bethune-Cookman wearing down or the fact that the second-team O-line played better than the first team? Um, man, I'll tell you, I, I, I can't even begin to answer that question. Uh, you know, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock on anything that we saw out there on, on Friday night. It was, it was wet, sloppy conditions. Uh, I, I think in the first quarter, the Canes were very jittery and nervous. I think Brad Kaya seemed a little nervous and was misfiring on passes. Kids weren't executing. Receivers weren't running their routes at the proper depths. I think Bethune-Cookman's speed at the cornerback position caught them by surprise a little bit and affected some things. Um, I know that sounds crazy because it was Bethune-Cookman, um, but they did have a couple um, – corners that were from South Florida that were playing like it was their Super Bowl and they you know they're, they're South Florida kids they they run 4445 um and they were giving Miami a little bit of, of problems uh with their speed um but you know that's obviously not an excuse but I can't put a lot of stock in the first team second team other than the fact that I thought Casey McDermott was outstanding the other night. I mean, absolutely outstanding. And, and I think you're going to see him challenge to get back in the starting lineup. And the surprise is the guy he's going to unseat, if he does, I don't think is going to be Sonny Adagwu. I think it might be Trevor Darling. And you saw that that strip um, that he allowed, and he allowed Kaya to get nailed on that one play. Um, and they just can't they can't have that. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't need to tell you that. You can't have Kaya taking shots like that because – of breakdowns in, in technique and uh, just attention to detail and stuff. So uh, I think Trevor Darling is fighting for his job this week. I really do. I could just, you know, not just because he screwed up, but because Casey McDermott was absolutely outstanding in that game and is carrying it over so far this week in practice. Um, next question was about 370 yards of offense um, compared to some of the other teams around college football that had cupcake games in week one. Those were really poor offensive numbers. Um, a lot of people expected more out of the offense. So what gives? Was it the O-line? Was it play calling? Um, I think it was a combination of everything, what I just spoke about a minute ago in terms of the, the jitters and nerves. And I think the other issue was – you know, James Coley calls these games very vanilla. When he gets into a game like the Bethune game or the FAMU game last year, a, a game that Miami, you know, just by walking on the field is is going to win more than likely, um, he's not looking to showcase 
a lot of what he's bringing to the table this year um, for for his offense. And uh, so I think that's a factor, and I, and I think poor execution was a factor. We talked about the bubble screens earlier, and um, you know the, the fact that those didn't work was largely due to poor execution and blocking by the receivers who had done a better job of it in practice, quite frankly, and uh, they didn't bring that to game day. So, um, so no, I don't, I don't think you should put a whole lot of stock um, in the fact that they only had 370 yards of offense. I did hear one comment today where, you know, which really doesn't, and it was on the local radio, and it really did not make sense in that um, I think it was Leroy Horde was asking, are they really so good? that they can pick and choose when to run their offense and when to, you know, try to run up yards and, and, and points. And, you know, you look at it that way, you probably would say no, but that's an individual choice and philosophy by individual coaches. And I don't think you could knock James Coley um, for going into the Bethune game with a very vanilla uh, game plan. Um, some of the positives that came from that game, uh, I, I thought that I thought the Canes looked really fast. Uh, you know, I, they looked faster to me than a year ago. Now I don't know if that's because you know Bethune was playing slow. We'll find out more as the season goes on. Um, but I thought they played really fast, and and that might have something to do with the the new practice field routines where they're monitoring these guys with GPS devices and and trying to keep their legs fresh. And it, it did look like a very fresh football team the other night. Um, so I don't think. There's any question that's a positive. I mean, you saw Mark Walton emerge, and I think everybody sees that he's going to be a very high quality um, running back this year. Um, so that you know that was obviously a big positive. Um, I thought Sonny Odagu held up very well for his first start at right tackle. So I, you know I think that would have to be a, considered a positive. Uh, Stan Dobard getting that touchdown catch was a positive and just the overall dominance of the defense. I mean, you know, Bethune, I mean, wasn't very good. Uh, they, they had zero passing game. Um, Coach D'Onofrio was able to just tee off with the blitz constantly, but you know, they executed and, you know, held them down. And right now they're the number three defensive unit in the country. So that's not all bad. All right. I'll get to some more of these questions as we go on in the show. Um, but right now, I want to get out to your phone calls because I know you've been waiting long enough. 646-595-2048 is the number. 646-595-2048. Uh, again, if you want to speak on the show, uh, just hit that number one on your keypad, and that'll alert me that you are ready to go. Um, please don't make me hit the line and, and get dead air like I did on one or two of those calls when Coach Schnellenberger was on. If you're not ready to come on the show... Don't prompt with the number one. Just hit it again. It'll take you off. And then, you know, you, when you're ready to go, you can you can hit it again, and it'll show us that you are ready to come on the show. So with that, I guess we might as well go out to the illustrious, the one and only, the star of the Canesport.com War Room message board, C.D. Wright. You're back. What you got for us tonight? Are you there, C.D.? Oh, God. Doesn't it figure? <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go. Um, let's go now to the um, the 240. D Black, are you back with us on Kane Sport Live? Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <clears throat> How you doing, Gary? I'm doing good, man. That, that segment with Coach Nellenberger was great. Yeah, it was. It was. It was definitely. It was definitely. Uh, you know, it's always uh, good knowledge to hear uh, Coach Nellenberger get his opinion. On, on football in general, not just for you, but in football in general. 
and you know, and I love my team. I love my university. Ever since he was there, I love. Him. Don't have to like the coach though, but I love, I love my, I love my team. Um, I, I kind of feel like you feel Gary about this past weekend. I mean, we did what we were supposed to do with Bethune Cookman. I'm not putting too much, too much stock in the defense being ranked third in the country. I mean, that's all smoke and mirrors. Look who we were playing. I'm kind of like you. I'm on a wait and see type of basis with that because after next, after this Friday, I think we've got Nebraska coming in, and then we hit that touch of the stretch in October. So, I mean, that's going to be the truth term. That's pretty much going to be the truth term to see if improvements have been made as far as scheme-wise and the players knowing the scheme or the scheme is too difficult. Um, and that's going to put Coach Golden and his staff that he chose to stay with it's going to make them coach. It's going to see what type of coaches they really are. Either you're going to be the coaches that can lead this program back to prominence or if it's time for you to go. So, I mean, what they did last weekend, it's cool to get a win, 1-0, but it, it didn't do nothing for me. You know, it was cool. I like to see some of the freshmen like Mark Walton. He looked good. But as far as the defense, I got to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see type of thing, wait and see type of thing. When Nebraska comes in and we got to travel to Florida State, Clemson, Missouri Tech, that meat and potatoes right there, that's, that's going to be the true story. That's going to tell a lot about, about our team. Um, yeah, just let me know what you think about that, Gary. You, and put me a hole and I'll and I listen to the rest of the show and I'll enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, you got you got to thank for calling as as always. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think the results are going to speak for themselves. I've been saying that all along. Um, I think all this debate, how many games is it going to take, and is he going to get fired? Is he not going to get fired? Is is now kind of like a waste of time? I mean, we're into the season. These games are going to come very quickly. Um, I think the fans should enjoy them, and. You know, just see how it plays out, and and I I think one way or the other, you know, you'll get a conclusion. I you know I I think if you want to be worried about anything, it, it would be that you land somewhere in the middle because you know if that happens, then the pressure is going to shift to Blake James. He's going to have to make an evaluation on you know whether it's going to happen because you know the worst thing you could do is just keep going around in circles in 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 this business. But you know, it's premature right now to worry about that stuff. And I you know I I think these games coming up. Will take care of themselves. Miami's getting a lot, you know, what seems to be some breaks here. In some teams are being weakened along the way due to injuries and such. Um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I I totally agree that now's not the time to worry about it. All right, let's go back out to the two o two. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir. That's you. Um, one second. Yeah, hello. Um, who do you think about the um, about the whole ACC losing this week? Oh man, well, I mean, because oh, hold on, hold on, Greg, hold on, hold on. I didn't mean to stop you because they seem like well, it, l- right. Let me just answer your question. I mean, you know, I I think they had some t- some tough things going on. I mean, I I didn't think Virginia Tech was was embarrassing itself uh, in in that game last night and. You know their problem is when the quarterback got hurt, it, the the whole thing blew up, and you know that's got to be a little bit disturbing to Frank Beamer. I mean, you can't have an injury just totally destroy your team like that. You know, you have to you know be able to continue to fight. And you know, I thought the defense, you know, for example, totally caved in once that kid got hurt. And um, you know, so I, I'm sure Virginia Tech 
is a little bit disappointed in that, but they they certainly were not embarrassing themselves. Um, when, you know when when they were in the first half of the game when they were competing and and, and actually winning the game at halftime. Um, I have not had a chance to watch the Louisville Auburn game just yet. Oh, you should, you should, you should, um, you should. But I do, yeah, I have it on my TiVo. Um, from what I've been told, uh, Louisville certainly didn't embarrass themselves. A lot of people think that no, they're going to no, make no. some. Yeah, they, a lot of people think they're going to make some noise in the ACC this year. So you know, I I think that when you don't win those games, obviously it's not great. But I don't think the ACC embarrassed itself at all. No, even I mean, um, North, even, North Carolina even, was very competitive. North Carolina should have won that game too. The quarterback threw like three picks. Stupid yes, he did. They should have won that yes, game too. But it was is, very competitive. They didn't embarrass themselves. Yeah, yeah. My whole thing. Is, I'm looking at rankings. What I'm seeing is like SEC, SECs. These guys are not that good. They're just overhyped. I mean, like North Carolina should have won that game. Three stupid picks. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, Louisville should have won that game too because they had a chance at the end until uh, until the coach called. A stupid, I mean, a stupid timeout, and then uh, Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech is the number one team. If you lose to the number one team in the nation in the, in the first week, you know you get a break. But the whole like, but the whole SEC, and then why? Why you have Alabama playing Wisconsin? I mean, come on now, Wisconsin. Well, that's a that's a real game. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, had one of the top defenses in the country last year. They're they're playing at a neutral site in Dallas. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that game. You but you but Wisconsin. Look at the NFL. Like, what do you think? You like, what do you think about the NFL? Like, oh, NFL draft day. You think about oh, Wisconsin had like five guys. Wisconsin had like six guys. You know what I'm saying? You don't think of it. Like, it's Alabama. Like, why would you play Wisconsin? Play Clemson and get beat by Clemson. <laughs> well, Alabama has a shot away. They, they played Bottech to start the season before. Alabama, with that one out-of-conference game that they play every year, because the other three are always cupcakes, uh, they don't care who they play in, in those games. They, they don't shy away from competition. And, um, you know, my problem with Alabama is I think they could handle one more real game. I mean, if you look at their schedule, it's kind of – it's kind of silly. I think they play Middle Tennessee this week. So, um, and then they got two other games like that also. But you know, a team that's as good as they are should maybe play one more. Should not um, play Wisconsin, in my opinion. Yeah. What about uh, what about uh, North? I mean, um, I mean, uh, Nebraska loses this week. How's it going to play out? Because you know they have to play the Kings. You know, I think Nebraska is a, a is is a better team than, than 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 maybe I thought they were coming into the year. I, you know, I didn't think they were as bad as some people thought they were. I think they. They just got caught at the end. Their their defense is maybe not as good as as, as a lot of people thought it was going to be, but their offense is probably better. So um, I, I'm looking forward to that game next week. I think Nebraska um, will give Miami a nice progression in uh, level of competition, and um, you know they'll they'll be able to get a better better idea of of what they have going into the road trip to Cincinnati and then Florida State. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Nebraska, Nebraska is definitely going to come back better. Uh, yeah. When they come back to South Florida, that's for sure. Don't let that game fool you. They definitely will come back like better team wise. Because you know, this first week stuff like that happens and stuff like that. And then, um, and then, um, uh, I come, I come like uh, you don't see like like uh, Deion Bush in the field often. I mean, Deion Bush is freshman year. You would have been like, wow. Like, what's going on? You know, on? I think it, it goes back to the rotation. I I hate it. I well, mean, oh, you know, I hate it. Exactly, Deion Bush. First he should be a star. Think, oh, you know? he should be like Dion Bush would not should not even get out the field. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it, it, but but he's in rotation. I mean, no, they're they're he's you stupid. Know, they're playing Jamal Carter. <laughs> they're even playing Jaquan Johnson as a true freshman. So that, that's the philosophy. Shirt. So we'll see. He might. I'm sure he'll play more when they get into the tougher games. Oh man, this coach man, man, this right. gotta go. I'm, I'm gonna right, wait until the middle of the season. Thank you for being part thank of the show. And, um, yeah, keep me on hold. Thank you. Thank you. you. You got it. Give us a call next week. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight is the number. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Again, hit the number one if you would like to come on the show. Uh, let's go out to the eight five zero. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, this is me. Yep, that's you. Hey, um, yeah. Well, I guess I'll just start off on the first positive note that I got. You know, great job on finally getting the shutout after all these years. Okay. You got anything else? Just, what? <laughs> oh Jesus! All right. Well, sorry, Gary. But uh, well, yeah. Actually, I have quite a few things. What did you think of uh, Sam Bruce's uh, comments earlier this week in an interview saying that? Uh, he would only stick with Miami if uh, Al Golden was still the coach in the future. And and the first comment was just saying, great job by the Hurricanes getting a, a shutout after, what, like four or five years without going without a shutout. I was actually trying to start on a positive note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It has been that yeah, long. You, told, you totally it, gave me the attitude of like, whoa, dude, what are you talking about a shutout? Like, no, no that no, was great. Just, I was actually just, happy. You went silent on us after that, but no, it's all good. Um, Sam Bruce, you know, that's who's recruiting him, okay? Uh, Al Golden, Kevin Beard. Um, so, of course, he's he's going to say he feels that way now. Um, so let's see what happens. You know, if if, if it's, things stay status quo, obviously he'll be in the recruiting class. If they don't stay status quo, he's going to evaluate who is in charge. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. So, um, I wouldn't sweat that too much right now i mean i i think that's what you should expect them to say okay um my a couple other things uh, what, what did you think of the actual going three uh, for 11 on third down conversion against the <laughs> cookman i mean that, that's I really <laughs> rough i mean i have a hard time getting past that i thought the execution was terrible i mean you had a drop i think a couple drop balls if i if i remember correctly um a couple high passes and uh, I thought the offense in general looked looked very sluggish and out of sync. And uh, do you put yeah, that at a first game jitters and weather, yeah, or is that you know? I yeah. do because okay. they've, they've done a lot better on the practice field. Okay. Um, also, I, I just got a comment: the thirty different people on defense being used. You got a, a Perry out there, the freshman Macintosh, Norton. I'm, uh, Henley got out there. It, this is just beyond ridiculous. I mean, there's there's no way that this football team needs 30 to 40 different people running out there on defense. I mean, it's called a two deep for a reason. You pick your two best guys and you rotate that way. You know, I mean, hey, I and, and you whenever, is too many. I don't think you. Oh have to yeah, play especially guys. on this team with the depth that we have. You know, but here's another thing. Everybody commenting on our second team defensive line being, you know, out uh, playing our first team. Well, look at our first team. You got Kamalu, which you know he's iffy, and then the other two, Hurdalu and Jenkins. I mean, come on, those guys shouldn't be our first teamers by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, put Kamalu as the nose and Chad Thomas out there and somebody else. I don't care who. But I mean that that our starting defensive line is what's pathetic. If you, if you go and put the number two out there, I think we'd do a lot better, even though we, we played a good game, but. Um, yep. Also, uh, no, I, 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 I thought Trent, 
Yeah, I, I actually thought that Trent Harris played pretty good. He he played with a lot of excitement. He looked big out there. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Gary. You have a good night. I appreciate the time. Anytime. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Um before I go on to the next call I gotta get something off my chest here. I've got this Serena Williams, Venus Williams tennis match on the T V next to me here and I just can't believe what I'm watching. I mean, Serena is so clearly a much better player. She won the first set six two and now she's tanking the second set. She's letting Venus just come with so they can go and play three sets. I I mean amazing to be watching this at um a major tennis championship. But uh I guess she didn't want to embarrass her older sister. And, like, you know, if you look at it from a human level, maybe it's not so bad. But I just think it's crazy. But anyway, now that I got that off my chest, again, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one if you want to come on the show. Let's go back up to the 850. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how's it going, Gary? Going good. Who's this? Omar. What's up, Omar? How you doing this week? Doing good, doing good, man. Just been listening to your show. Hey, it's crazy you saying that about uh, Serena, my mom. She's watching that right now, and yeah, she was telling me that the sister, the little sister, was getting her get uh, beating Serena. I'm like, whoa! And she's, I think, finna. She's doing something with. Uh, I think she's on a Grand Slam or something like that. Yeah, she's trying to win the and, Grand Slam, but but she's ta- I'm telling you, she's tanking the second set here. I'm, there's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, man, it's crazy to be on the brink of history and your sister breaks that. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, well, uh, bike show. I'll be shocked nice. if it plays yeah. out. Serena, Serena will smoke her in the third set, but. Yeah, but, but, but anyway, um, what you got for us? Couple, couple things I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about depth chart and uh, what you think who's solidifying positions. Um, I know there was some competition going on in the safety between Jenkins and uh and Crawford, but do you think Jenkins has solidified itself with you know what he's did just so far? No, I don't think there's anything solidified on uh, on defense. I, I I think they love to rotate. And I think they'll continue to rotate. But uh, if you ask me who I think the better player is, I don't think there's any question who the better player is. I think Rayshon Jenkins is is, is the better player. And I love Dallas Crawford. He's He's a a ball hawk. He's He's a great guy to have on the team. He's a great special teams player, a very high character guy. Um, He's awesome for the locker room. But I don't think he's a better safety than Rayshon Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a ball. Jenkins is a ball hawk. I've been seeing that. Ever since he's been playing, like he's the one that to come with the pick. He's he's a turnover man. That's what I see. But um, about something else, Cornell. Though you think uh you gonna see him back at punt return? You know they uh, some about these these coaches. They'll see something like that what he, he show, and then they'll go to somebody else the next game. I don't know yeah, how you don't put does, him out. How do you not put him out there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, how do you not, after what he did in the yeah. game? Until he proves to you that he doesn't belong there, I don't know how you don't put him out there. And any time Corn Elder, in his entire time as a Hurricane, has ever had the um, the ball in his hands, he's been Uh sensational. I mean, that's what he did in high school. He 
Mr. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he was Mr. Um, yeah, Mr. Football of Tennessee. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense. You got to put him back out there and let him. I understand if uh, um, you know Coley gets gets healthy and everything, but just certain things like that. That's natural. That happened organically. You need to keep that where it's with going there. You know, I, I know he can't take all of them because you know it kind of plays on defense a lot too, but. I like seeing him back there. He reminds me of the guy from uh, what the guy named from LSU, number seven, way back. He used to be returning them things like it was nothing, and he his naturalness back there remind me of him. But um, yeah, um, another question about Coley. You think he'll make um this game coming up, or you think he's gonna be out? Yeah, I think he will. He practiced today and, and apparently looked pretty good out there. So yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance he plays. Okay, okay, and one more thing, Walton. I really feel like Walton should start. I think he'll be. He he does better coming off the bench. He he seems to fit better with a six man role than just starting off the game. I think he figure out more seeing somebody else take the reps before him. It seems like and it seems like Walton has the naturalness of blockers. He has a real naturalness of just following being patient, hang out. So I was seeing this man move like, you know, it it was just like poetry how he was moving out there for real. It was I like I like seeing him in the backfield more often. I don't think you have to worry about it. I, I think they're both gonna play in probably pretty much an equal amount. So I wouldn't sweat who takes the first snap and lots of games I bet you the first snap is predicated on what play that James Coley wants to call and which back he feels is best to have on the field for that play call. So I wouldn't sweat that one at, at all. The running back, yeah. is a place, that's a place where you need to play a couple guys because those guys take so much pounding. I mean, that's yeah, one place yeah. where you where it's yeah. good to have rotation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just see, it just seemed like Yerby, he got off to a slow start at the beginning of the game. I don't know if it's just the, was the offense. The offensive line did get off to a slow start themselves. So I can't really blame him. They, the whole team need to pick, pick up their energy when they came into the first half of that game, the first quarter, whether or not. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, um, I'm gonna let you go. Um, I think that's about all. Another thing I want they need to stop doing, man. Um, these bubble screens, please. Can we stop it? Like, well, we, it's yeah, too we many. talked about the bubble screen. I don't know if it's you were listening at yeah. the beginning of this. Yeah, I heard I that. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it extensively and. Um, you know, even talked to Coach Snellenberger about it, and he very astutely pointed out that it's a it's a good play. Yeah, um, on first so, down. Like, yeah, the problem is it's probably too much and do a bubble screen and get three yards or get two yards. Like, well, it, it, it's probably being used a little too much, and I think the reason why it is is that it's part of the audible system right now at Miami. Um, if Kai is. Yeah. If if there's a certain play called that Kaya sees is not there, one of his primary plays to audible to is often a bubble screen um, if he sees what he believes is a mismatch on the perimeter. So I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing it it's so much. But, you know, I would yeah, agree with you. But, it might be being but overused. You know what? You, but I understand. What, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But you know what I see happening, like, chemistry-wise? Every time they do that and it doesn't work, it, it, it gives it's kind of like a sway of momentum because it, it it ends up being a big tackle. You see, Coley got hurt, 
I think that's the play you got hurt on, or what's it, the kickoff. But anyways, it seems like it's just a swell momentum, a big – it turns into a big tackle or a big hit. Like, you're getting your, your receivers hurt out there on some of those plays, like – and it doesn't get them started up. Like it doesn't. It does. It's not something that gets them into the motion. I have not seen nobody. No, I ain't seen nobody take one of them back home yet. One of those screen plays. They gonna run a, a bubble screen. Run the right receiver bubble where the linemen come out and block or something. And then the right receiver comes on underneath the linemen and catch the ball. Cause the right receivers just blocking ain't enough. Well, I think a better question is why is Herb Waters executing it well, for example, on the practice field, and then he's getting in the game. You know, he's blocking Artie Burns during the week. Why isn't he blocking Bethune Cookman's cornerback on game day? Um, might maybe just yeah. part of game day jitters. Who, who knows? But uh, you know, yeah. all right, man. It's it's, it's not I'm, going I'm anywhere. Go. Let's put it that way. It's a staple of this <laughs> offense. Yeah, all right, hey, safe. thank you. Thank All you for right, being man. thank you for being part of the show and um yeah give us a call again next week. All right, 646-595-2048 the number. Let's go to the 404 now. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Garrett. Yes, sir. Garrett, how you doing? What's going on? Doing this I was talking to Snellenberg earlier. Yes, sir. I'm not going to hold you up. I, first of all, I'm not getting too excited about about, about the, the game. I know they played Bethune-Cook when they, first of all, they rotated way too many guys. They need to let guys get more reps. And, uh, and uh, Norton is going to, uh, Kendrick Norton is going to be a beast, but I still think he should have been red-shirted. He's um, going to be a beast, but he's not going to impact this season, in my opinion. Nope. Should have been red-shirted. Should have been red-shirted. And uh, offensive line, um, still not sure about, I mean, you know what? I, I'm still, uh, I'm still, I'm not gonna make any comments until uh, they start playing some real competition. So, uh, no doubt. again, I'm gonna just wait. But uh, just keep me on hold. I'm gonna look to get your opinion on. on you, you got it, man. Thank you, thank, okay. thank you for being part of the show. Totally agree. Can't judge too much right now based on what we saw on Friday night. Let's go out to the 863. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? I don't know what the heck was going on there. Let's go to the three zero five. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, that's you, Gary. How are you tonight? We're doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is Jcat twenty four ten. Hey, what's up, man? Talk to us. Not much. Did we find CD Wright? Was he in the bathroom uh, a couple minutes ago when you're calling on him? <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure all of his buddies on uh, Kane Sport were uh, wincing in pain because they didn't come back on. Oh my God! I actually, like him. He's a very positive poster on Kane Sport, and I think uh, I think we mean, uh, need more of him. Yes, Gary. Absolutely. My first question is: um, when when you after a game, do you get to watch the same game film as the coaches uh, what they tape, or do you simply watch a replay of the game uh, in yeah, another I, form? Yeah, no, I I watch the TV replay. Okay, I, I, obviously you're able to go back and forth and watch a, a play over and over without, you know, yeah, uh, with it. Okay. I'm going to confess I didn't do that with the Bethune game because I couldn't care less. I, like I said, I put no stock in anything that went on out there Friday night. But uh, normally I will do that. I will re- rewind the game, slow motion, play by play. Are the coaches um, accommodating to you? Like if you ever need anything, like if you need, you know, something that you don't know over you, if you something you want to watch and ask a question, are they accessible to you during the week and – Yes. Yeah. No. No beefs in that regard at all. You know. In fact, uh, 
uh, yesterday we spent a bunch of time with Mark D'Onofrio. Today we spent a bunch of time with Coach Coley. Um, both are great. Coach Golden spends whatever time we need with, with him. Uh, so, yes, there's no issues there at all. Cool. Um, so the game last night with VT and Ohio State, um, obviously Ohio State was up 14 nothing, and I personally thought uh, you know, uh, VT was going to get routed. Um, when you take into consideration uh, you know, what we did last year against them, and I, and I consider what we did last year a route, um, and with a freshman quarterback on the road, um, with them beating Ohio State last year, and then technically, well, they could have perhaps upset them again last night, uh, they were down 14-0. They came back uh, until the quarterback got hurt. Does that that's got to put in perspective? I think that the, the uh, you know the how our team is uh, currently at this point in time as far as uh, talent. Um, uh, you know, my thinking is if VT can hang with uh, Ohio State and uh, and and handle their business, considering what we did to them last year at their field. Um, to me, that 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 holds a lot of water. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, to a point, you know, I don't think I don't think they were getting Ohio State's best early in that game, and I think when Ohio State got it going, you saw how quickly they were out of it. But um, Miami's a, a better football team right now than Virginia Tech. I don't, I don't think Virginia Tech, um, and we'll see how the game plays out in in a few weeks. But um, when I watched Virginia Tech last night, I walked away with with the with the feeling that I, I think Miami's significantly better, especially on offense. Now, they have a good D-line, and, and Bud Foster's always capable. He gambles a lot and stuff, but he's always capable of putting a good game plan together and screwing you up. Um, but, you know, they're coming here this year, and, and Miami is flat a better team and, and needs to take care of business in that game, unlike what they did last year when they played Virginia and Pittsburgh at the end of the year where they clearly were better teams than those two and, and lost. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Um, my last question would be in regards to Trayon Gray. Um, you know, last year they burned his red shirt. Um, I remember one game he had a fumble. I don't remember what game it was, but it was, I, I remember it was at home. Um, and then the other night, you know, I, if I'm correct, I think I saw the ball on the floor twice. Uh, whether he was, you know, maybe tackled out of, out of bounds or, you know, trying to reach out and get an extra yard. The point is I saw the ball come out twice. Um, yep. Do you remember seeing that at all? Yeah, I was standing right there on one of them. I mean, uh, right there on the sideline where it happened. And, um, you know, he's not a polished running back yet. You know, you got to remember, this is a kid playing quarterback in high school. He's, he's you know, been a college running back for a year. Um, he hasn't obviously gotten a lot of reps and games and stuff. So he, he's not a polished running back yet, and he's still learning and uh, But he's good, though. Him. Like, he's like he's big. He's 6'2", and he's got some weight on him. So, you know... He's a he's a big dude. Yeah, he's playing hard you know, the other night you know, too. I'm sorry. You running hard the other night. Yeah, no, he was. So I mean, like you know, so a game like FAU, and this is going to be sound crazy, but why not give him a why not start him the game? Why not give him the start and and make him why? the man for you know, the, the first quarter back. and see if he can. And uh, I'm sorry. He's the third team back. Why would you start? I I I, I get that, but I think he's a good running back. I, I think he's capable of What's maybe getting Mark the job done with What's the first team offense. My my question. What's my thought my thought process guys? my thought process is this: if if we're we're, we're definitely going to need him throughout the season, let's make no mistake about it. Why not why not give him the start for the first couple series and make him the man just just to make sure that you can trust him with the football. 
I mean, because that's, that's the really the biggest problem that I have with him right now is can, can we trust him with the football in his hands if we're playing against Florida State and we need him to, you know, to, to, to perform, and, and we don't know if we can trust him with that. Um, I don't that's my last question. I him a lot if you were playing Florida State. I don't, there, he wouldn't play. He wouldn't be playing. Your B and Walton would be splitting the reps. You're not going to see Gray very much in the Florida State game unless somebody gets hurt. Well, I, I didn't want to say that because I'm kind of a superstitious person. But, again, what, what if somebody were to get hurt and we didn't need him? My question is, is he the, he's, he's a good running back. He's big enough to run the ball. He can run between the tackles. Is, is he the type of person that we can trust running the football against a Florida State should we have an injury? The question is we don't know if he can be Not the yet. person we can trust. Exactly. What I'm saying is if we're, if we're playing a game against FAU on the road, the game we should win, why not? Why doesn't Golden say, listen, you know what? I'm going to let you start the game for the first couple of series. I'm going to see what you can do to see if we can trust this kid with the football in his hand. Because I, I think, I think when, they, when, they, when they put you out front, they make you the man, can you handle it? Can you handle that, that pressure even though it's on the road against a subpar team? Can you be the person that we can trust? Okay, because we might need you in the future. Should we have a, a, an injury? And that's just my thought process with him. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, uh, we have a great quarterback. We have great receivers. Yeah, but what you're you know, saying, I, I think, you're, what, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's the third team back. Why wouldn't you play the first and second team backs first? I mean, your argument makes no sense. Now you're totally correct. You're totally correct. What I'm hand, saying, when, and, and then I'm sure you'll see Trayon Gray play. But uh, you know, if it were if it plays out that way, but why would you put the third team running back in? It's, at the beginning of the game, nobody in football does that. I I, I agree with your saying, but again, we're playing we're playing with what we're what we're considering a subpar team. Why not start him the first couple series and see if he can if you got to you, you got to win the game. Subpar teams I, all the time. You don't you don't think Temple is subpar to Penn State? They beat the daylights out of them the other day. It's you got to go win the game first. Go win the game. Yeah, I, I, and, I, I, and, I get and what you're saying. It's, it's, you're, you're definitely thinking outside the box with that thought process. But, again, can we, are we going to be able to trust this kid later on in the season when we may need him? That's all I'm asking. Um, See, we, we don't know that yet. But right now you probably can't. He's, and he's there not it is. There. He's not at that stage of development yet. Now, maybe after uh, a few more games. I mean, I don't have the stat sheet right in front of me here. See if I can find it, but um, I, I forget how many carries he got the other night. Um, wait, I got it. I got it right here. I'll tell you in a second. But um, I think he I got what? Did he get eight carries? I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, eight carries. He, he, carries he yeah, he had, he had a, yeah, he had, yeah, he had, he, he had seven or better. Not even a question. So let's say he gets right. another eight this week, for example. You know, you you got to bring him along. That's how you develop a player. So um, I, I. I I agree, but I, I think we're gonna, I think we're going to need him at some point during this year. And I'm saying, and I, when I'm when I'm saying start, now, I don't mean for the first half or the first three quarters. I'm saying give the kid the ball the first quarter with the first team. Let's see if he can handle it. See what he can do. He, he might he might surprise people. You know, he might make All it right. difficult. You no, know, but, but so you know, we just disagree. I don't know any coach that would put his third team guy on the field in the first quarter while the game's still in doubt. But Dave, do you have anything else tonight? That's it, man. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling. Give us a call again. All right. Yeah, I don't know, man. That that one made didn't make a lot of sense. I don't, I don't know too many coaches who who would put their third team player out on the field just for the sport of it in the first quarter before the game is decided. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Those of you watching this tennis match are laughing along with me. Uh, what a total joke! Uh, Serena's now up three nothing in the third set as predicted. Um, Let's go out to the three three four. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Who's this? It's G again. 
What's up, man? Talk to us. Hey, uh, watch the game. Uh, kind of like what I saw because, you know, it was a Bethune cook, man, and we did what we were supposed to do. You know, the defensive line, you know, they, they play, play pretty active. One thing that I did notice that I saw was uh, the screenplay. That I forgot uh, who the defensive tackle was that made the play, number 93, I think. But, uh, yeah, he was right there with the running back, read it, diagnosed it, and was right there with it. And uh, that shows me that the coaches are, you know, really teaching them what to look for, you know, as far as their keys and things. Uh, I like that. Uh, one thing I didn't see a lot of was Tracy Howard. Uh, I don't know whether it was because he was shitting this guy down on the side or whether he was, you know, they just wasn't passing the ball enough or he wasn't on the field enough, but I didn't see him. Could you talk about him a little bit and what you saw? Well, he, you know, he's been doing fine. I, I think they were just rotating, you know. I, they were rotating guys. <laughs> Um, kind of the same, you could say the same thing pretty much for every position. And um, so nothing's wrong with Tracy. Tracy had a good training camp. He won the starting job, um, split in time, I guess, with Corn Elder. And uh, no issues there. Oh, okay. okay. And, you know, they were playing the freshmen. Redwine got playing time. Um, Michael Jackson, I think, got some playing time at corner. So they were just trying to get different guys in there. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't have a, <clears throat> as much issue with the uh, the younger guys playing as much as, you know, some of the other guys, or, you know, you may have had. Yeah. You know, with it, I, I like, you know, it was the film cooking. You know, they still got the shutout. You know, they got some valuable experience, you know, for playing time, you know, which is something Golden is big on. He does it every year, you know, at the first game. He plays a lot of players yeah. just to give them experience. And then yeah, it's one, of, it's one of his flaws, so. in, in my opinion. I, I, I think they'd be a lot further off right now in year five if in years one, yeah. two, and three they had redshirted more, you know they redshirted some guys last year. But years one, two, and three they hardly redshirted anybody, and it didn't get them anywhere. You know they won six games last year. You know I just you know to me, I think you got a redshirt to build a program. Yeah, uh, I think it was kind of like a blessing in disguise with Gus getting hurt because you know he took a year to kind of get, you know, get a redshirt. You know even though you know he was coming along very well. You know but it's still you know a redshirt year for him, but it, it, it gives year be which is, uh, you know, watching him, he's big enough, you know, to, to play. And then Mark Walton, they're, they're, you know, definitely big enough to play. But then we got, you know, Traylon Gray. And uh, he did pretty well. You know, he's still loose. You know, like you said, he's a third, you know, third string back right now. And I don't expect him to play a lot unless somebody gets hurt. But, you know, as far as running the ball, you know, like what I saw just with him, he needs, you know, to take the ball better like, you know, the other caller was saying. But, you know, he's a good runner, you know, but. He'll get better. Um, also, you know, just the defense-wise, you know, because everybody focuses in on the defense and everything. I think, you know, just watching the alignments and things like that, you know, was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary except, you know, I saw a lot more blitzes, which, you know, you can get away with with a team, you know, like with Don Cookman that had a small offensive line and ran the ball a lot. But, you know, all in all, I like what I saw, you know, even though it was the first game, but I'm waiting to see, you know, what we do the next game and the next game after that. You know, the bubble screen, okay with it because, you know, you watch a lot of teams, you know, run the bubble screen. Those are essentially, you know, run plays, you know, so you're going to get just a few yards on those, maybe break one, you know. But I don't have a problem with the bubble screens. I didn't see an eccentric amount of them, you know, just a, you know, a lot of them. But all in all, I like what I saw. So. All righty. You got anything else tonight? No, that'll be all. All right. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you, yeah.
All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. If you want to come on the show, just hit the number one on your keypad, and we will get you on. Um, let's go now to the 305. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Shmira, how are you this week? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yourself? Doing good, doing good. We're having a good show. All right. I missed the first part. Did you guys uh, talk about the Barrios injury at all? Uh, no. We we spent most of the first hour talking with Coach Schnellenberger. Um, oh. But, um, well, I'll yeah, confirm, and, and he, I'll confirm that he will not be available until at least the Cincinnati game, probably the FSU game. And that's yeah, probably, I would agree with the, I would agree with that. I mean, so this day-to-day and all that stuff, he's definitely two to yeah, three. No, he's not three playing this week. Stacy Coley probably yeah. will. Braxton Berrios is right. not playing. Right. And luck, I mean, it's a grade two tear of the MCL. So that's a three- to four-week injury. Well, uh-huh. um, Derek, would you, I mean, just getting, you know, from last year to this year, what would you say, you know, everyone keeps saying there's a major difference in the locker room and there's a totally new attitude to this team? I don't buy it. So would, have you seen anything from practice over the fall and maybe even the first game that would – make you believe that there's something different going on? Well, let me answer that this way, okay? I didn't watch last year's team and say there was something wrong, okay? There was nothing nothing that was wrong that was apparent for most of last year. I think where it fell apart last year was towards the end of the season when after they lost the Florida State game, the older guys on the team – sold out and and stopped playing hard. And I think that's when the disconnect started in the locker room where some guys, you know, didn't like that very much and the younger guys started trying to take control of the team and having their own meetings and stuff like that. So, you know, nothing was apparent last year. Now, as far as this year, there's nothing wrong that's apparent this year either. I mean, the kids are saying all the right things. They're doing the right things. They're clearly all together. Um, United is one. There doesn't seem to be a lot of bad kids on this team or behavioral or attitude problems, uh, very few of them. And um, so I think they're in good shape in that regard. Right. You know, and just you – know, I agree with you. And, you know, just one – we talk about, you know, them rotating so many guys. And if you really think about it, the only player that's gone through the full – golden era and, you know, from became a not a, so great of a player to a really good player and someone they didn't really rotate a lot and kind of just let grow into his role and just get better every year was Clive Walford because they kind of let him be that guy and get better as the years went on. If you really think about it, you can't name one guy that's gone through the golden era that's been – that they got their full potential out of. I mean, no, and, really. But what, but what did Clive Walford do his first year on campus? No, I'm saying he got better as the No, no, I I know he got better, but I in my opinion there's a reason he got better because he was allowed to grow at the proper right. pace. He, he wasn't he redshirted as a true freshman? Yes, yeah, he was. I he definitely right. was. And I'm just saying he's one of the he's one of the few players that actually was given the right way to grow through the system redshirting and then once he actually blossomed into a pretty good player was given those reps. I mean, I I mean, listen, you've seen me in person. I'm not a big guy, and I actually did play high school football. But when you're in a game, I mean, you kind of get better as that game goes on. And a few hits on you, you kind of you kind of get a feel for the game. I mean, these kids have no feel for the game at all. I mean, they just with all this rotation and stuff like this, you're totally t- 
taken out of your groove and your momentum. And it's just really, you know, I think one of the re- – that and the red shirting are just two of the craziest things that I've seen, you know, happen with, with major downfall in this uh, regime. I don't know not if you just, agree. Yeah, just, right. Not just right now, but for the whole, the whole four-plus years. Yeah, no question about oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's just the whole – right. Just looking back, I mean, there are – I mean, like, you know, we've talked about Jermaine Grace. I mean, how crazy is that, that this kid has basically done nothing, and he's already a junior. And Correct. he has all the potential in the world. All right, we could get by that. You can go but, on um, not. Yeah, it, yeah it, we it, could. It, right. Yeah. And I'm sure you my, you know my feelings about this whole thing, and we'll just, you know, not be negative today. Um, no, just, you want to know. And I'm not season, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And not, and this is not not to do with the University of Miami, just in general. What do you think about uh, Charlie Strong and just his position at Texas and his future and everything like that? And that's just I think, a general question. I think he's in trouble at Texas. I, I I think it's a horrible fit. I think they have a massive rebuild there. I don't think they're going to be willing to give him the time it's going to take to rebuild. It's going to take five years to rebuild that program. Uh, yeah. They're they're not giving they're not giving him five years. There's no way. Um, so I think you're going to see Charlie Strong get out of there at some point um, in the next couple of years, and, and I think that uh, the SEC is a place where he could thrive, and I think um, the state of Florida is a place where he could thrive. And uh, my personal opinion is that if Coach Golden is not successful this year and that job comes open, I think one of the first calls that Blake James is going to get is going to be from Charlie Strong's agent. And that's probably that's the reason why I did ask you that. By the way, I kind of backdoored it a little. Yeah, that's I, uh, I, I I do believe that will happen. Right. If if the, if the job were to come open, I I do believe that he will do everything he can to try to get the Miami job. Right. He was going to well, send I, his daughter I, I, to school at Miami, you know. He um, was. I, I, she's she's going wait, to Texas. She, she's going to Texas, but he was his daughter was going to go to my school at Miami. Really. Yeah, and something happened where they changed their mind, and she's, a, I think, a Texas, but, yeah. You know, can always transfer. Um, you know, and just another thing, and just and we see this happen, and I kind of never bought into it. I don't know other people did, was this whole, you know, recruiting class for 2016, how they started off as the number one in the nation. And I know it's a long year, and we know how it's – but, I mean, they've already dwindled, dwindled down to number 10 or 11 or whatever they may be. And, I mean, it's, it's apparent with – going to basically happen i mean just people need to just not buy into this whole you know i mean i I don't know i'm just not a believer in this whole this whole regime and all these coaches i just don't think they're doing it the right way but you could already see i mean they were number one people all excited and now as the season starts going on and probably as some losses come along i mean this whole thing is just going to be it it reminds me very much of much champs last year at florida when they should have made a year a move the year before, but they didn't, and this is just kind of one of those, you know, could be one of those dead years. I'm not going to say they're going to be as bad as that, but something very similar. That's what I feel, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's going to go down in, in the rankings because there's so many three-star guys on there and not, and not a ton of four-stars, so it's going to naturally keep going down in the rankings as other schools sign more players. But, you know, that said, there there are a lot of good players in the class right now. I think some of those three-star guys are potentially good players, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much right now because it could could change so much depending on what happens during the season. If if the season is successful, 
I think some better players are going to have an interest in Miami that might not be on the commitment list right now. And I think if the season is not successful, that there will, could potentially be a coaching change, which would throw the whole recruiting class up in the air. Because the first thing that has to happen is the new coach would have to decide who he wants from the commitment list and then turn loose the ones he doesn't. So, um, not something I worry too much about right now. I know I've been saying that quite a bit, but uh, you know it's the second week of September. There's 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 more pressing issues right now. Very true. All right, Gary. Well, enjoy your week. Enjoy Friday, and I hope everything runs smooth. And I would never bet the Hurricanes at seventeen and a half. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert. Hey, thanks as always for you being part it. of the show. All right. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five. Two zero four eight. Um, let's go out now to the. I don't think I've gotten this one yet. The seven five four. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's happening, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Jerome. How you feeling? I'm doing good. How you doing, Jerome? Uh, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Hey, hey, Gary. You know something? It was. It was a. It was a game that uh, against uh, Bethune Cookman that you could say as a fan that you came away and say, well, we did what we were supposed to do. It was a short, abbreviated second half. Uh, the, the weather, of course, and they got off to a slow start and so forth and so on. And I was okay with that. But a caller, uh, it was something I felt like it was missing. I couldn't put my finger on because I'm not such a big stat guy. But a caller about four or five callers ago, he hit, he hit the nail on the head. When you mentioned we were three out of eleven on third down, and, and Gary teams with those kind of numbers, Gary, that that, that uh, you know third down percentages have to be much better against a, uh, any ACC school or anybody that's ranked in the top ten or ranked school or whatever. We have to come to the table better than that, Gary. What you think? Um, I think you got to catch the football. <laughs> I, I think they, you know, that was part of the problem. I think they had a couple drop passes. I, I think Kaya was erratic early, which contributed to that. Um, but beyond that, I'm not putting a lot of stock in it because, you know, the, it, it was a sloppy field. There were a lot of subs in the game in, in the second half, and I just don't think stats from that game mean anything. I mean, it was a vanilla game plan. Uh, Coley's not showing his third down package against Bethune Cookman. So okay, you know I just wouldn't put a lot of stock in it. I think it had they caught the ball, the stats would have been better. Yeah, yeah. And another another thing about recruiting, recruiting from what I see, Gary, uh, is you know I think I think one, I'm satisfied if we get a kid who they say is a three star, so called three three star, and he gets red shirted. I I rather see like you like you were talking about Clive Walford. I don't know what kind of how many stars he had on him, but I'm just saying, if a guy comes in and get red shirted, and you see the developmental process, that makes you feel good as a fan and give you so much hope to move forward. Because uh, it, it just it just it just don't seem like we just jumping with burning shirts at an alarming rate, and then we have a lot of kids who transfer at an alarming rate, and we don't really meet that same number of bringing in transfers. And it, it kind of wonder, it kind of make you wonder, uh, you know, this 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 uh, this thing is the program is getting disturbed. Whether you know, as far as putting up Ws, and as far as play, seeing players develop, you know, and that's that's uh, something to concern about. You know, we've seen this pattern the last couple of years. Now we we're coming out of the dark cloud era. I give them that, but 
at the same time, Gary, I, I just I just hope we can just continue to get over this hump. This hill has been a tough hill to climb, and hopefully this season we can get over the hump. Well, you know I agree with you. I mean, I'm a broken record on that subject. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and as we move forward, Gary, you know, I'll be calling you more because uh, I, I enjoy your show. I think uh, this is just a wonderful thing to allow Kings fans to speak from all area codes, man. It, it, it really, it, it's, it's really, awesome, uh, isn't it? I know it's my favorite yeah, two hours yeah. of the week. I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we created this show, and um, it, it, I think it's going really well, and people enjoy it. And I get a, everywhere I go, all over the country, I get comments about the show. We, you know, we've got several thousand listeners every week and um it's it's yeah it's just been phenomenal it, it is and gary when i see you at some of the game i make sure i can come up and formally introduce myself my brother and oh, i when you. you was over in cooper city we used to used to come over there and get the magazine uh at the time but i we didn't come up and introduce you you would you will remember my brother by faith but you know i would be there too but next time we see you we're going to try to make ourselves more Presumably, and introduce yeah, ourselves to you. Do. I love meeting everybody as we go around all over the country and stuff. It's great. All right. You take care and have a blessed yeah. week, man. And uh, go Kings on Friday. Thank you for being part of the show. All right. All right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Remember, if you want to come on the show, all you got to do is hit the number one on your keypad. Um let me hit uh let me hit one of these uh these questions here. Let's see where we were. Um I was I was asked whether um prized at the way Marquis Gayat flashed some things uh in the game the other night. And the not really. I mean he was he, he was a great safety in high school, came into the program. They've moved him the linebacker now and uh he was one of those guys that you you gotta be happy for. He clearly showed that he's developing the red shirt issue is not an issue because he's, he's already sat out. Um, I, I, I think he sat out. I'd have to double check that they play so many darn freshmen, but um, you know, Marquise Gayat was definitely a young player that, uh, that flashed a little bit the other night. Uh, another question that was submitted on canesport.com this week, um, other than the standish Stobard short pass for a touchdown, the tight ends were pretty invisible. Um, do we believe it's an issue with the players and lack of experience or the coaches deciding to keep the tight ends a little hidden for later games in the season. Um, I thought the tight ends did fine. I don't think there's any issues with any of those guys. Um, I I think that Herndon and the Joku are going to be weapons uh, throughout the year that you'll be able to, uh, to to keep an eye out for. And uh, you'll continue to see them work more and more into the offense as the season goes forward. All right, um again, six four six five nine five two zero four eight, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out now to I don't think I've gotten this one on yet. Three four seven. You're now live. What's going on, Gary? This is Kwame. How are you? Hey, what's up, Kwame? How you doing this week? I I cannot complain. Uh it felt like a dream watching the Kings on T V after all this time. Yeah. Well, actually, on the internet because I had to watch him on ESPN three, but <laughs> nevertheless, it was good seeing uh, Kane's football again. Yes, it um, was. I just want to make a comment and then ask a question, uh, if possible, because uh, I, I, I heard a couple of callers say, you know, well, at least I've been here, and I, and I forgive me, I just sort of chimed in over the past thirty minutes or so. Uh, but make no mistake about it, this is not a 
eight-win season or a nine-win season or a ten-win season, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, and I think I've brought this point up in the past, it's a one-game season for me. He has to go and dope Campbell, that being Al Golden, and win that game. I don't know of any coach in Miami history that can lose or that has lost to Florida State five years in a row and kept his job. Yeah, that's a good point. I can't. I mean, I can't. Maybe, I mean, you, you're an a, a illustrious alum. Maybe you can go back in the analogs of history and find me a, a, a Miami head coach who's lost to their arch rival, or any coach for that matter who's lost to their arch rival five years in a row. Yeah, I don't think so. Job. So yeah. that being said, I think Kane's fans can, be, can rest assured because this president – uh, did not hire him, and so and you know Pre- how we the president's not going to be a factor. The president is not going to micromanage football. He's going to leave that to Blake James. There, I don't there, think there's so. Some, he will. I'm telling you, there's some trustees that will have an influence with Blake, but the president right now is not looking to micromanage football. No, my point is that, uh, in my opinion, I think this president will likely be on the one-game scenario also. I, I, I don't think this president will keep uh, Golden around if he moves to Florida State. I think, especially if Miami is 4-0 going into that game, it will likely be a night game on ABC if we lose that game. And keep in mind, this is the only sort of nationally televised publicity that we've had in the past, what, eight, nine years when we play Florida State? We don't get really that much pub. We're the afternoon game on ESPN, not the primetime game. So uh, that being said, this is our one shining moment here to uh, once again put us back on the map. And looking at this roster, you know, yes, he's light at linebacker, uh, but you give some other coaches this roster and that quarterback, they're going to find a way to win. And I, I just expect that. Uh, from this team and this coach. And, I, you know, I, I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of the, you know, shoulda, woulda, couldas. It's time to see some, some Ws. Now, now, that being said, my, my question is uh, with respect to uh, the offense. Uh, maybe it was just Coley not wanting to show his hands. But my word, I'm if I see one more damn bubble screen, I'm going to, were you on earlier in the show? Uh, in the I first was hour? Not, I okay, was we not. talked. Yeah, we talked a lot about it. that. I'll give you a quick little summary. Um, you know, the the reason you're seeing so many bubble screens is it's part of the audible package, and so I think lots of times with Kaya, there might be another play called, but if he sees that play is not going to work, and he sees what he believes is a mismatch on the outside, he his his job at that point is to audible to the bubble screen. So I think that's one factor, um, and. You know, I th- I think that they executed it fairly well in the practice field, and they they believe it's going to work. And uh, but coach, we talked to Coach Schnellenberger about it, and he likes the bubble screen, but he likes it as a change of pace. He he thinks the 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 problem with the bubble screen is some coaches use it way too much, and you don't want to be throwing all those balls behind the line of scrimmage. So you know, I, I think that the fan concern about the play is is legitimate and warranted. Um, but I think that the reason it's being used so much by Miami is it's part of their audible package. I, I thought it was, had something to do with wanting to get the ball out of Kaya's hands for fear of, you know, no, uh, no, the offensive not, line. 
No, no, I don't think that's the case. Okay. Well, I will say this though. Uh, I in closing, I really liked what I saw from uh, the front seven, in particular, Hurdleu and Norton. I think you know if Norton. I mean, granted, it's you know an FCS offensive line, but that kid Norton has a twitch in his step for sure. And I'm still waiting to see how Muhammad reacts to, you know, this suspension crap. I'm getting sick of this with this kid. You know, he needs to get his head on together. But I'm anxious to see, you know, by the Cincinnati or the FSU game, how Muhammad works into that rush-in spot. Uh, uh, And let me ask you this uh, one more thing. What is it with our third down package and this speed package? It it seems too predictable to me that we're going to go – with the speed package, I, I sort of think it's the offensive coordinator know what's coming. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I sort of feel like when they throw Chad Thomas in that D tackle on that sort of NASCAR uh, unit, that it seems like predictable that you know I think okay on third down, I know these four guys are coming in. Yeah, it is, but you got to block them. You know, that's the idea. The idea is get your four best pass rushers out there and 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 make you know get you put your bigger guys inside and your smaller guys on the outside and make the the offense uh, block them. Problem Miami has and has had is that they've been being blocked. Now yeah. you know Bethune Cookman was inept on the offensive line, so you can't judge by what happened on Saturday night. But you know there will be games later as the year goes on when the offensive lines will be better than what they faced, and they're going to have to be able to get to the quarterback. That I believe, and, I, and I'm just hoping that this kid, Norton, and some of the other depth on the line, I want to see you know this new and improved Jamali Hamilton. I mean, God, I, can we get something out of this kid? You I, know, I, I want to see, I'm not a see fan. some of this depth. I don't think you're going to see it uh, in that one. Uh, why not do you think all. he's already been passed by Norton? Well, I thought he played more in uh, or more tackled like a three-four end than uh, no guard. And so you know he's playing behind, I, I guess Jenkins. Yeah, I, you know uh, Jenkins. I I like Jenkins. I thought, I and Moten, by the way. I mean, you know, yeah. he doesn't. Jelani Hamilton doesn't even show up on the depth chart. That's so sad. And he was such a highly rated kid. Yeah, but you, you know, you gotta have you gotta have the other intangibles. Being highly rated and, coming out of high school doesn't mean anything yeah. when you step foot on college campus. You got you got to have all the other things that go that need to go with it, and, and that's where he's fallen short. Well, that's true, but you know, I'm just I'm just hoping, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm 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 going to two games this year, man. I'm, I'm going to be in Doke for the FSU game, and then my God bless my girlfriend uh, for birthday uh, gift. She got me tickets to the Va Tech game. Which I'm so glad that they have no quarterback now. That just opens things up in the culture for us. Well, he he uh, might be back for that game. We'll see I, how he. That's heals. five. That's minimum five weeks. Yeah, broken. Yeah, class, but I, I think five. I think I, isn't that game? Um, I think that is five weeks, right? I, October seventeenth. I don't. I I don't think he makes it back by that game. Well, today's the eighth, I believe. Today's the eighth. Today September today's 8th. the eighth. Today's the eighth, so you said this, you said it's the seventeenth, right? Yeah, minimum so, five weeks. So what's that? Thirty-nine days. I mean, that's more than five weeks. Five and a half, almost six weeks, I think. So he might be back. You never know. 
Might be. I'll take him. <laughs> I'll take him coming off a collarbone injury. I'll, I'll take that. I appreciate it. That's the only thing I'm giving Ohio State credit for. But I appreciate your time, Gary. I just want Kane fans to know it's a one-game season, okay? <laughs> October 10th. You got it's it. one-game season. <laughs> and I'm out of here. I'm sure. All right, man. Hey, thanks for being part of the show as always. Take care. A, a one-game season. It may come down to that. You know, if if Miami takes care of business here the next couple of weeks, I, I I'm on record as saying I think they're going to go into the Florida State game four and zero, and I, I I still feel that way. Although you know, I think Nebraska will give them a little bit of a tussle, and I think that Thursday night game at Cincinnati is the one to sweat a little bit because uh, it's going to be a little crazy up there. All right, let's go out to the 803. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing? Doing good. Who's this? Well, my name is Eddie. I had a question up, and a comment. Um, not much. I had a question and a comment. First, uh, my comment. Well, talk, talking about Gray a uh, couple couple of callers ago. I know you got to be sick and tired of hearing about a third string running back. First of all, I have never seen anything like this in my life. I'm laughing. I I, <laughs> I just was going through the questions that we're doing, and I, I you know since we've spoken about him so much, I deleted the one on him. But I, I've never seen so much fuss over a, a third string running back in in you know yes, thirty sir. years I've been covering this this team. Well, let me let me make my point. First of all, we're down a running back. All we he's our third string. You're right. And I mean, I mean, bottom line, got, bottom line, we're gonna, got we're gonna need him. The other night. We're gonna, I mean, we're gonna gave, need him though. But they gave him the ball eight times. I mean, Walton, Walton only had ten right. carries, and and Yearby only had six. He had okay. eight. You okay? You you say you say he's a third string, which he is. But think about it. Tom Brady would have never married Giselle if Bledsoe wouldn't have got hurt. We we would no one here would have never heard of his name probably. And he's a household name, Hall of Fame quarterback now. What I'm saying is, my question to you is, let's say they have 25 running plays this Friday. And say they separate, you know, they get, they, get, they separate the 25 to all three running backs. And say they get, I don't know, 190 yards between the three of them. Say 200 yards. I think personally that if you just gave every carry to, to Gray, he would come up with the same amount of yards, plus he would get the experience. Now, he never had a fumbling problem in high school, and I know that's a knock on him. I think he fumbled a few times last year or whatever, but, I mean, he needs the experience because we're, we we have a tough schedule this year. He We're going to need him, especially with Gus but they're get, out. But they're getting him the experience. He got eight carries last week. But eight is not the same thing. But it was a it was a short it was a short game. But it was a shortened game. I mean, if they had played the, the, that extra ten minutes of the second half, he might have had another eight. You know, so I right. think you got to I think you got to consider that too. I mean, I I think they're they're trying to develop him. I mean, let it, let him develop at his at his pace. He's only a register, you know, he's only a second year guy. That, and I, I mean, Mark Mark Walton, pro, you know, no doubt will probably be a better NFL running back. Mark Walton uh, is, is going to be a right. great football player. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to de-emphasize him. And right. there certainly was nothing what, wrong no, with what no, you're no, being I, showing. And I'm you. not. And I'm not. But what I'm saying is, but but I mean, I get the feeling you're you're doing that to Gray when he. I mean, there's no that we 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 haven't got one player on the team that had a better high school offensive career than him. I mean, maybe Coley, but uh, what I'm saying is. 
Listen, I think you know, you know what the biggest added. issue with Gray is. The biggest issue with Gray was, that, and, and I'm just you know I slipped a second ago. I'm remembering that they burned his red shirt last year. Right. Okay, that's that. That's the biggest issue with Gray. He should be a freshman right now. Yeah, he should. And I mean, I'll tell you something else. You know, there it is, Tebow. He can't can't even make an NFL roster. He can't. But he, I'll be damned if he wasn't the best college football player that I've ever seen. I mean, the guy is big. He's fast. He's electric with the football in his hands. And I, I just, I don't know. It, it just seems to me he'd be a superstar. He, he's developing very well. If you had to play him every down, you know, I, I don't think it would be a disaster. I think that he obviously is capable of being a very good power back. But there is right. nothing wrong with Mark Walton and Joe Yearby as your top two. No, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not degrading that. I mean, they actually, Mark, to be honest Mark Walton's going to have a have great to, career here. You're right. And I don't. the reason I'm not speaking for them is because they actually speak for themselves, both him and Yearby. You know, I think Yearby's going to be better than Walton this year. But I don't. I mean, you know, he, he's got a year on him. I think, I, I think he will. I think he's going to be great. Well, yeah, I, I know he's going to be great. He, but I'm just worried about him hitting the wall, you know. Especially well, we'll with the, see. The, he could. the schedule that we have. But, um, listen, I'll let you go. Really appreciate talking to you. I'm going to stay on the line, okay? You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Again, if you want to come on the show, hit the number one on your keypad. That will let us know that you want to be in the queue. Let's go out now to the 305 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Me. That's you. Gary, what's up? Johnny O from Burr Road. Johnny O, did you make it to the game? Of course not. I what could, happened? <laughs> I couldn't make it, man. I was busy, caught up working. Oh, sorry about that. What you got for Yeah, you? I know. I know. Um, um, I was hoping, I was watching, you know, the Ohio State game and the Alabama, and I wasn't that impressed. Is that the standard now? You weren't impressed, Were you impressed by Ohio, with State, Ohio State, State and Ohio State and Alabama? Really? I was pretty impressed. Yeah, with, with Ohio State, I wasn't impressed at all. Why not? If it wasn't for this guy catching some plays and the running back making some plays, they didn't do nothing. They got three Heisman Trophy candidates on that team. Yeah, they got a couple of people making plays, but Did you, see you know, their, I mean, I mean the athleticism but, of their defense and whatever. I mean that, that that's a hell of a team. Now they may lose this year. It's it's yeah. tough to go back to back, but that's a pretty yeah, darn good yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, I, I know they got some good players, and and Alabama too. You know, I just, I just, you know, that's the standard. I wasn't that impressed. Well, the the issue that Alabama has is they don't have a quarterback right now, and mm-hmm. you know they're, you know, the Coker's their starter, and he was okay, but he had some ugly plays in that game. And yeah. uh, they're gonna they're gonna come to a point. They're they're trying to build behind that Mario Cristobal offensive line, and, and he's got some some freaking beasts up there. But and yeah. their running back, I think, is probably the, the best in America, Derrick Henry. But they're gonna get to a point where yeah. they're gonna need their quarterback to win a game for them, and that's where they could run into trouble. Yeah, you know, I like it that we're not looking to the side no more. You know, looking for plays like they were. You saw how they were doing it. Uh, Bethune, remember how we were doing looking looking at the sideline for the plays taking forever? Uh, not a lot on a couple occasions, but not many. 
yeah, no, we're, you know, um, uh, as as we start to get the the motor rolling, you know, I think we are going to uh, to bring the attitude, you know, and uh, and when, when game by game, you know, we're going to be excelling, you know. I just that I see I see I see it I see it running that way, you know what I'm saying? Uh huh. And um, I don't know. I just um. I like the there's a positive vibe. I don't know. I don't know. I just um I, I dig the youthness, you know, the we look good, healthy, you know, strong. Mhm. Yep. All good what right is, now. But they've yet to play a real game yet. We'll see what happens. How Next about week, how about you know, there's, there's, they how got about a nice not letting here, the, Did this did these people did these people cross the 50 yard line? The thune? I don't yeah, think so. I mean, what what was your stats? You know, what, I'd have to go back through the play by play, but I I thought that was one yeah. of the worst. That was one of the worst opponents I've ever seen. I mean, they were they were totally <laughs> they were totally totally inept offensively for sure. Their defense played hard and and gave Miami some problems at times, but right. that that offense was terrible. All right, Johnny O, you got anything else for us this week? Yeah, it was just mostly comments, you know, and uh, I'm glad you put me on. You know, appreciate it. Put me on hold. God bless. You got it, man. Hey, thank you as always for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048. If you want to come on the show, hit the number one on your keypad uh, so we know it. Let's go to the 786 now. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this week? Hey, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Who's this? This is James. What's up, James? Um, hold on, let me get over speakerphone. I finally got on. Hey, man, Um, yeah, I'm a ex-New Yorker. I grew up. I like rooting for the the Mets, the Jets, and the Nets, you know. So I, I grew up rooting for, like, perennial losers. And I also grew up rooting for the Miami Hurricanes, you know. So um, when I came down here to hear all these Miami Hurricanes fans bad talk the Hurricanes so much, it's really disappointing because my whole thing is, why not really show your team the support, first of all, and get behind them? Like, everybody, like, the one dude came on and he was talking about, Florida State game is the dual game. No, it's not. What if Miami loses to Florida State and win the other nine or the other ten and they go ten and one? I mean, you know, no one ever thinks that. It's like Florida State do or die, and that's the attitude we've had for the past ten years. You know, I'm like, start going to the games, fans. Start rooting for the team and showing up at the games and stop worrying about Florida State in one game and think about the overall picture of what the Hurricanes are trying to do. Now, Al Golden I don't have confidence in him yet, but what I do have confidence is, well, I can't say I don't have confidence in him, that he hasn't won yet, you know, and for a coach to get good, you have to learn how to win, and I don't think he's learned how to win yet, and when he does, and maybe this is the year, I'm like the last caller who I have a feeling this year, this team is starting to look like some of those old Hurricane teams from like the early 90s, you know, where they have like a lot of depth, you know, let's at least get to the Nebraska at least let's get to the Nebraska game first, you know? Well, that's well, that's what I'm saying is, though, it's like let's um, play each game, get to the Nebraska game. We don't know what's going to happen with these teams. And as I'm just going to jump because I don't want to take up too much time, but also with the recruiting, I've noticed that um, when, Ma- when Miami recruits over the past five years without Golden and so on, recruits always come in low stars. But then if they jump and they go to another school, for instance, like this guy Keyshawn Camp who came in as a three-star, he jumped went to USC, he's now a four-star. I'm like, so they always boost up the recruits. It seems like there's a nationwide hate for the Miami Hurricanes, you know, and 
anything that they do is taken as uh, as bad or it's always seen in some negative aspect rather than looking at the good no, things. No, I don't think that's true. I mean, like, look, look at Jack Allison. He started out as a three-star. He got moved up to a four-star after committing to Miami. I don't, I don't think that's the issue. I think that the ranking system is, is predicated on constant evaluation. And I think that, that some kids get better from their junior year to senior year. And the uh, co- the committee that does the rankings, they meet regularly. They discuss those things. They're, they're always looking at players. We get them hands-on at a lot of camps and things like that. And uh, that's why I think you see changes in, in the rankings. I, I mean, is there a bias, uh, like maybe a little bit towards some of the SEC schools and maybe an assumption that if a kid's going to Alabama, he must be great? Yeah, you might, you know, you might be able to make that argument. But I don't believe there's an anti-Miami sentiment amongst the people that do the star rankings. Uh, I just I don't think that oh, that's Oh, not necessarily the star rankings, I don't want to say. But I'm just saying, like, the national – um, media it seems like once a, yeah, once a kid, you, you got to beat somebody. From Miami, they haven't becomes beaten. that much more attractive. You know what I mean? They haven't beaten anybody in years. You got to beat somebody good. Well, this is what I'm you saying know? with Golden is that he's learning. Yeah, he came from Temple, and yeah, he has to learn how to win. Like um, Miami, the whole thing with the Florida State game is that Miami never focused on Florida State when they were in the Big East. I was rooting for them when they were in the Big East. You know, and they were tearing through the Big East and everybody else. You know, that's because they were focused on winning those. You know, they never were really focused on winning any, beating any one person. They were focused on beating everybody. You know, and, and that's what we have to get back to. We have to get back to focusing on beating everybody. This team, hopefully, you know, and this is my other thing about the Miami Hurricanes fans, have faith in the team and don't always come into the season, like, down on them. Like, oh, they're going to lose. I'm just waiting for the next game. When they, nah. Think about your team as a team that's going to always continue to win and challenge. And yeah, if they lose, they lose. They lose for themselves to win. And that momentum, I think, would over would go over into your team and the players because they'll start feeling that and their confidence will start coming out a little bit more, start having a little bit more faith in what they're doing. And we'll start seeing the product. I think we're going to see the product nonetheless on the field this year. I really have a good vibe. And I thank you for having me on. You know, and you're doing a good show, man. It's really good. Anytime, man. Hope you'll be part of it down the road. Definitely. All righty. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one if you want to come on. It's going to go out now to the 863. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. 863, you with us? Going once, going twice, three times. <laughs> Pretty funny. I think he was taking a nap. All right, let's go to the 864. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Garrett. Who's this? Hey, Garrett. Who's this? G-Town here. What's up? All right, G-Town. We're doing good. Talk to us. I want to ask you a personal question. How are you doing, Garrett? Me? I'm doing how are good. You, how are you, Gary Perman, doing? Because I, 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 I get the hint that, you know, I, I even did this last week. I how I kind of want to apologize now because so many people have been coming on. I mean, it, it starts out with, well, it seems this way that, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm not sold yet. You know, we did okay. We've seen this in the past. And then it leads straight into this is what he's got to do or he's got to go. I, see, I mean, I hear a lot of people saying that. Everybody has this. You're not hearing that from house. me. Oh, no, no, not from you. But I'm, I hear you, I hear you. you know, replying to the same you know, pretty much statement that everybody's making. And uh, I just want to, I'm just saying, I, I applaud you for not saying, hey, you know what, I, the past five people have said the same thing, that they want to see 
eight, nine, or ten wins where he's got to go, or Coastal, he's got to go. And I mean, last week, I even, I, I, toward the end, I, I, I said that. I, I said something similar to that. I, I think that, um, you know, we all have expectations, but, you know, for me, it was uh, toward the end, I was just like, hey, you know, I feel like you can't get out of the circle. And uh, I know you had mentioned that earlier tonight. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's time you know, to let I mean, the season think... play out. Let, let let the chips fall where they may, and and then react to it and evaluate. But man, don't ruin your football season sitting here worrying about the coach being fired. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Fun, I mean, I think a lot of people, team. a lot of people that love Miami, you know, are. I mean, we we, we really are tired of, of of not even being. You know what I mean? Even yeah, being nobody's it's being about, relevant. I mean, everybody wants to see something. Right, the words are relevant. You're tired of being irrelevant. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you want to see the Canes play in Ohio State. You want to you want to turn on Sports Center and see them talking about Miami or College Game Day, and and and, that's and you right. want to feel, right. you want to feel like you're part of college football again. Right now, yeah, you're not part right. of college football. Yeah, we're not. We still not. No, I mean. You got to beat Nebraska. You got to beat Cincinnati, and you and obviously FAU on Friday night. And you got to go up to Tallahassee four and zero, and then people will be paying attention to you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we've had we had this kind of a when we were seven and zero. I mean, they, they were talking about us then, but I think a lot yeah. of people knew that you go to you Tallahassee. Know, there was something wrong there. There was something talking. wrong there with that stat. I mean, we were seven and zero, but. Uh, I can't remember how the circumstances came about, but you know we we fell again that season. But I was just I just wanted to say you know ask you how, how you was doing. I know you, you I see you answering the same questions over and over, but my and, and really my biggest question to you is hey you know uh, up to this point uh, this year, what is it that um that you see that has given you any any optimism that this may be the year, if at all? Do you, do you have you seen anything? Uh, is there a glimmer of hope? I think there's a glimmer of hope because there's a lot of good players on this team, you know, and, and I, and I don't think that there's a lot of strength uh, in, in the ACC once you get past the, the teams at the top. So, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, I was disappointed in what I saw out of North Carolina the other day. I thought they'd be a better team. Although I, I think if the quarterback, yeah, they did. If the, yeah, but if the quarterback gets his act together, I think that'll help those guys quite a bit. Um, they got to run him back too. Yeah, you know, Pittsburgh's weakened now because they lost their best running back. Uh, Virginia Tech's going to be floundering around for a while. So, it, it, I mean, the, competing in the Coastal is right there for this team. They just got to, you know, develop. I, I, I mean, they have to find some di- some real difference makers on defense. And, and I just – I don't know if it's going to happen with all this rotation. I mean, I don't, I don't see how somebody can develop into that type of player – coming on and off the field constantly. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, I certainly don't know everything, and I'm very happy to be proven wrong. I just – I've never seen football, um, championship football developed like that, and that's why I feel the way I do. And, you know, we, we had Coach Snellenberger on in the first hour. I don't know if you if you, if you were listening. Yeah, I heard, but, I heard him. I heard him. I heard you know, he, he talked he, about that subject, and I totally agree with yeah. him. I mean – He brought some old school knowledge. I mean, I, I, was, surpri- I was kind of surprised – no way that he agreed with you because I thought he was going to say, well, you know, the game's changed and a lot of people are doing that. Let me just say this right here. I've been watching this thing for a long time, man. I mean, I've seen a lot of great coaches. I mean, I grew up covering Don Shula and obviously Howard and Jimmy and 
um, you know, on and on and on. I mean, I, I've been around a lot of great coaches in my career that I've had a chance to observe and see what works. And obviously, you know, I've been around a ton of football and, you know, I think I got a pretty good grasp. You know, I mean, when I give you guys opinions, it, it you know, it may sound like I'm doing it with swagger or whatever. It's 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 with confidence. I mean, I, I feel confident in my opinions because they're based on something. And um, I wasn't surprised at all that Coach Stellenberger agreed with me. Um, so, yeah. the only thing that I'll he and I... The only thing he and I disagreed on was the cloud. He he thought the cloud was a lot more significant than I did. Yeah, he did. He also quoted and said that you know we lost a whole lot more scholarships than we actually did. But that's cool. Yeah, he was he was he was off on that stat. Well, he's not. He's not. Have, you know, he wouldn't yeah, have that. Yeah, I, I know. I know. It also surprised me. He kind of kept up with it though. Because he he had been listening to what had been said because he actually went from there to talking about the cloud, but he brought up the NCAA. But he also yep. brought up some other factors, too, with the money, with how everything's even, so you really can't outwork people, which is true. I mean, it, it, the, the recruiting field has kind of leveled out, and it is highly regulated. So he, he has had his ear to the ground, to you know, in, 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 in today's times aspect. I mean, he wasn't just basing oh, all his information off off of, yeah, he, off of what, you know, what he knew. But let me, let me I want to ask you, uh, or at least speak about the defense that Al Golden runs or – what he attempts to run, or this team, or what his belief is, him, him and Deion Bertonio, you know, um, I do, I do think that they try to run a 34-43 hybrid mixture, and then you know some some four six one. Sometimes I don't know, you know, there's a, a lot in there, uh, but of the past four or five Super Bowl teams, I think four or five of those actually. Uh, Deploy that type of a defensive scheme. It's it's just multiple, and, and by my meaning is I don't say I don't want to say hey you know they run a three four most of the time. What I mean is is they try to do, you know they have to be able to do you know both at times. So they kind of work it all in, um, and I think that's 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 his way of looking at it because um, we do play various types of offenses. I mean. Um, some defenses work better against other schemes. I mean, and it is hard. It is harder to coach. Uh, I, I really think that uh, it, it's sad that you know he, he that he can't. He hasn't been able to get the ta- the talent that we know it takes to run this kind of defense. Um, could he have done some things differently? Yes. I mean, since he didn't have the talent to run that type of defense, should he have just stuck to the four three? I don't know. I mean, I can't. You know, it, it, let me ask you this: Would you, would you, um, would you start running a defense and then change it four years down the road, or would you start running your defense and le- learning it, and then later on you'll have the players? You see what I'm getting at? I mean, you're teaching everybody the defense from day one, but as the players come in and, the, and you start getting the players you want then you don't have to go through this whole change of what you're teaching. You see well, what I'm saying? The I problem think we may have you seen a little bit of that as well. If you, if you don't redshirt, you're constantly going in circles, in my opinion. That, that, that's true. That's true. That's true, too. But he's – I mean, with the guy Norton – come on, man. I mean, somebody said that earlier. I don't see I don't see why he – yeah, you said that. That guy, I mean, he's got to play him. He's got to win now. He's a you true freshman. Still, but he's what better. He's, he's number two. I mean, he's getting pushed. 
I mean, what, what else can he do? If he wants to win, he's got to play that guy now. I mean, I hate to say, especially at nose. I mean, we haven't had a nose. And, I mean, we haven't had guys go in there and just stand around, but they're not getting a push. This guy's actually getting in the backfield. I mean, I know he's young, now, but, I mean, see. he needs that now. Hey, you know, if he's going to do what everybody what? wants him to do, time he's got to do out. it now. Time out, time out, time out. Seriously. What are, are I mean, and it may turn out that way, but what are you basing that on? <laughs> what do you mean? What are okay. you basing this opinion of How Kendrick many Norton? People, well, I mean, I'm thinking. Do I, you I realize he that was barely a high school offensive okay. line they played Friday night? Okay, okay I got you. I, I'll give you that. We'll see. But, I mean, I mean wait till he goes to the like Let's see if he's a factor. Does he not game. look better? Did he not look better in that game? He looked than, fine. Or as good? I mean, they all look fine. I mean, so did Jenkins. So did Moten. Nobody looked bad in that game the other night. That was a joke. That that Bethune offense no. was a joke. Okay, seriously, and I and I hope none of the moms or anything are listening to the show <laughs> here in Miami. You know, I, I'll feel bad. But but seriously, that was a joke. Okay, I mean a total yeah. joke. Can't judge. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Slow down. Okay, Kendrick Norton's going to be a very good player. And and yeah, he, he is. Might, but I mean, Al's got, got, got to win now. That, so it, he it, might it, defy it, all odds. If this guy gives him a chance to win, he needs to play him now. You know, Wait he does. Wait a minute. He, he might defy all odds and be a very good player this year as a true freshman. But That's true. a true freshman defensive tackle should not come into college football mm-hmm. and play with that level of effectiveness unless he's like the next Vince Wilfork or something. And maybe he is. Mm-hmm. But but we certainly okay, don't have any. So, but we certainly don't have anything to base that opinion next, on now, is what question. I'm saying to you. You can't, yeah, you can't you. see that now. You got me? I got you. I, but I, I mean, you he, agree. he did look at least I mean, he, I think he's, he was at least uh, as good as what we have. I mean, I don't think he was worse. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he My didn't look that way anyway. He's not better. Okay, if he's not better than, say, Moten, who, who's, who's coming off the bench, for example, or yeah. well, he probably is better than Michael Weiss, so that's not a great example. But if he's not significantly <laughs> better than those older guys, then yeah, it's, I see what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's my philosophy that unless he's he's a first team player, that you have to redshirt those kids because you, yeah, when he's when he's 22 years old and now you got him for a fifth year, you're going to be pretty darn happy because he's going to be one of the best defensive tackles in America. I will say this though, redshirt predicated on one thing, and that's this. This player is going to develop into a player that may leave early. So you still hey, get four years. You know what? Right? If he's good so, enough to leave so, early, so be it. You know, but... Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, you got, if you start him as a freshman and they stay yeah. there a senior, you're still getting four years. So, I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I, I don't know. The whole redshirt thing is... I mean, I agree with it totally. I agree with what you're saying, but it doesn't yeah, always necessarily program, have to be that way. You have older players out there on your team and on the field. Because like Coach Nillenberger said, and he and I are totally on the same page on this, when you're 21, 22 years old, in some cases 23, you're a heck of a lot better than you were at 18 and 19. And yeah, just, I mean, just because the age difference. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my next my next comment I want to comment on was the whole, you know, I asked on the, on the board the question, uh, how many players did we play? And the reason why I wanted to know was, I mean, I think Dan Antonio came out and said he, they played 30 on defense. But yeah. the reason I was asking I was because I was really trying to get a feel. I was really trying to get a feel of were they treating this game like a scrimmage? Were they still trying to figure out 
And it looks yes. that way to me. I really do believe that they, they approached that game just like another scrimmage. They played as many people as they could. Yeah. So they wanted to get more real tape in. I mean, and, and I mean, a lot of people that I kind of threw that out there to see if anybody would kind of catch on to it because really that is a key. That is, that's like, that's a huge, that's like a, that's like a big, the sun shining to me on on how they prepared for that game. They really didn't even, I don't even know, especially with the offense, I don't even think they had a game plan. They just, just run this. I mean, Correct. it was, it just, it, it, they re- I think this it week, was, it was, it did, you know what the game Friday, plan was? I'll tell you, they did have a game plan. You know what it was? Be as vanilla as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But I want to say this week, I think you're going to see totally different. You know, I don't think you'll see as many people play on defense, of course. I think the offense is going to be, well, you know, with with, um, Cooley and Barrios, I don't know how much that will change what they were probably planning on doing. Cooley might play. uh, yeah, I say he may. I don't know. You think he will? Well, he, pra- he practiced today. It's Tuesday, so game's not till Friday. So I, I would say he, there's a so he did chance. practice today. I didn't know yeah, that. He, yeah, yeah, he did. So there's a decent chance he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, they may. They may. I'm just. I, I'm saying. I really think that was. They were. I think that's their last bit of footage you're going to get before they really. They really get the 44 down. You know what I mean? Well, before F- they really. You know, F- they really F- set F- it in the stone. FAU scored in the 40s at Tulsa, so it's. Yeah, it's it's a team that can move the ball a little bit. We'll see. Yes, they need they need to most definitely have their their their, their two deep set as of this week. There's no more just playing sixty kids. I don't think they'll so do it that. Gets, after this week, it gets pretty serious. Yeah, it gets, it gets um, pretty serious pretty quickly. So you got yeah. ten weeks in a row where there's not a there's not a a, a nap game anywhere. So we'll see. Well, well that's true. That's true. All right, you good? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, we get a, we get a, what is this? This is, we played Saturday, Friday is eight days. No, swim it, six days, six days, seven days, whatever, and then it's nine days. Yeah, we play Cincinnati, or is and it, then, or is it more? Yeah, we play? Nine, no, it's, then, but, and then you got another nine to to Florida State. So you no, it's twelve to Florida State because we play on Thursday and then we play the following Saturday. Correct. That's nine. Great. So that's our longest break. Right <laughs> before we play Florida State, we get 12 days off. Thursday to Saturday is nine. <laughs> well, okay, yes, my bad. I, I, I'd counted that up in my head before. Man, it's late. Trust me, my mind's starting to go crazy on me now, too. I don't know where I got that number from. Anyway, so I'm saying our longest break is right before Florida State. And after that, it's every seven days until we play Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh, and it's a six-day break again. Yep. So uh, – and I really think that right there is going to be uh, critical too. I mean, I think if we if we beat Georgia Tech, then we'll be okay with that pitch. Slow down, I mean, man. Slow down. Hey, That's a long, I'm just talking about those play. last two games. Oh my God! Hey, if, if we don't if we don't make it through October, oh my God! I said this on the you're board. This is true. If we don't, hey, look, if we don't make it through October two and one, it ain't gonna matter about the rest of the season. Slow down. They're not gonna reach the goal. They're not gonna reach the coastal goal. All right, let's listen. Slow down, okay? Slow down. You're racing on us here. You got a lot of football to play before you worry about Georgia Tech. All right, let me let some other people get on here before we got to go to sleep. Uh, thanks All for right. being part of the show. Give us a call next week. Okay. All right, let's go out to – man, he's the, he, his his mind is racing on him. I mean, we, there's a lot that's got to go on before Kendrick Norton's a star and before you worry about Georgia Tech. All right, let's go to the 941. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, it's Max Lopez, Kent Sport member. Hey, what's up, Max? Talk to us. What's up? 
That's good. Hey, uh, a couple questions. Uh, we all know James Coley can recruit with the best of them, but do you believe he has the offensive play calling acumen of, say, a Larry Coker or a Chedzinski? And if not, do you believe he's learning on the job, and can he eventually be that caliber of play caller? All right, Chedzinski today or Chedzinski back when he was here? <laughs> back when he was here. All right, I think there's a lot of synergies. You know, I mean, I think Chudzinski, when he became offensive coordinator at Miami, was a young coordinator, uh, and, and he, he was kind of learning as he went along. Uh, he had a lot of talent. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was playing with some pretty good offensive football players when he was the OC, um, and he developed, and obviously Miami won championships, and now he's been in the NFL for many years and was such a well-thought-of offensive coordinator in the NFL that they made him a head coach, even though it was only for one year. So um, I think there's a lot of synergies. I don't think it's fair to compare Coley to Chudzinski in terms of today, because obviously Chud's a much more seasoned football coach at this point. But at comparable stages, I I think there's a lot of synergies. Now, um, Coach Coley's been a coordinator. I guess this is his third year. And... um, you know, we'll 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 see how he does. I mean, I'm a I'm a believer in Coach Coley. I like his attitude. Uh, like everybody else, I, I I wish there weren't so many bubble screens. I think if he, I think the bubble screen is overused. But everywhere else, I think he's fine. I I, I just think that uh, they got to get a little bit better on third down. And and I think they were they were throwing a lot of crossing routes this this year that we didn't see as much of last year that I like. That's always a good play on third down. Get your speed receivers going across the field. Uh, so we'll see if that, those third-down conversions come up this year. Uh, ignore the stats from the other night. And beyond that, I mean, I, I thought he was pretty good last year. I mean, there were a lot of stages where they were averaging nine yards of play, ten yards of play in some of those games. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I like Coach Coley. I, I, is he the best offensive coordinator in the country yet? Probably not. But I think he's, he's developing nicely as a coach. Okay. I, I pretty much agree with all that. Um I know we can't make take too much from the defense versus Bethune, and I know it's early, but what do you think about the job you've seen from Kehoe as far as the O-line? Um, again, I know Bethune wasn't much of a good measuring stick, but let's be honest, for a dog who, that we saw last year, Bethune might not have been – might have actually been a good test for a dog who, um, You know, do you see any progression in the dog who? Yeah, I see a lot of progression. I mean, last year you couldn't put him on the field without him being a train wreck. Uh, this year you put him on the field the other night, and and you wouldn't have even known he was out there. I mean, he I think he executed well and and was never a problem. The one they got a problem with is Darling. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Darling to me is not playing very well, and it, and it, I think it's even beyond that one horrible play he had where he almost got Kaya killed. So um, I'm I think Casey McDermott's gonna, and I said this earlier in the show is going to make some noise at that position. And if, if I were Trevor Darling, I'd be a little worried right now about Casey McDermott taking my job. That's funny. That's, that's actually my last question I, I, I was going to ask you. Do you see McDermott as the talent that other Kane fans see him as? Um, and why has he yes. not passed up Trevor Darling at this point? Um, you've seen a lot of O-lines, Gary. Um, you know, what's your gut instinct in reference to this year's O-line versus legit competition once we start seeing the likes of Nebraska, you know, FSU, and Clemson? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of guessing a little bit on Casey, but if I were to guess, I would say, you know, maybe he took his spot a little for granted. And the fact that he didn't start looked to me like it may have lit a little bit of a fire under him because he was highly motivated and playing extremely hard and efficient the other night against Bethune. So, you know, this week's another test for him. I'm not sure that they're going to make the change just yet. Uh, They'll probably see how things go Friday. 
Perfect. Thanks, Gary. That's all I got. Thank you. Anytime, man. Thank, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right, let's go now to the 786. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How's it going, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Mitch out of Dade County, man. Hey, what's up, Mitch? Hey, man, I got a little recruiting question, man. Uh, what, how's the recruiting going, man? Like, Who do you see that's really standing out on our radar that we have a legit chance at? Because it's been kind of quiet lately, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's got to be quiet for the rest of the season, I think. I'm not expecting any commitments here the next couple months. Um, yeah, I, think what you, I, I think what you see on the board is pretty much what you're going to get right now, and kids are waiting to see what happens. Yeah, because I know we only can give out tickets to, like, certain games, right? Kids one game. Color, like, one game. Yeah, that hurts, give tickets to one game, and then other than that, the kids got to pay their own way into the stadium. And, yeah, it does hurt. It's intended to hurt. But, you know, the key guys will still make it in, you know, to to several games and just buy a ticket outside or something. Yeah, yeah, because with that Bruce get, situation, Florida get tickets full pretty cheap. You can get tickets pretty cheap outside the stadium these days. Yeah, with that Bruce situation, because Florida go take full advantage of that boy. He was yep. up there first. Yeah, he was up there first quarter, man. You know what I mean? Yep. That's some. That's something I worry about also. You know what I mean? Legitimate. Uh, all right, that's all I have, man. Thanks. All right, thanks for giving us a call. Talk to yeah. you again down the road. All right, let's go now to. Let's go to the five six one. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this week? Hi, how you doing? It's uh, John from Boca. Um, hey, what's up, John? I had a f- I'm doing pretty good. Um, I have some questions, just uh, just some comments, actually, first. Um, the first thing is is that I keep uh, hearing you guys talk about us not having, um, like, talent, particularly on the D-line and linebacker, which I tend to agree with. The only part I do kind of question it is that, particularly last year, off that team, at linebacker, um, turns out like Armbrister made a made a roster in the NFL, which really kind of surprised me. And then obviously we know Perriman's really good, um, so obviously those two guys like actually made NFL rosters. So if we're saying that we don't have talent, what is the NFL seeing that we aren't? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone's saying that there's no talent. I I, I think they're saying impact talent. Now, if you're asking me, am I surprised that Arm Brister made the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I am surprised, and 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 you know, I was kind of surprised that Chicolo came as close as, as he did. But a lot of times, it could depend on what a team's need is at the time, and and that sort of thing. And and sometimes guys that weren't great players in college can can land on an NFL roster for a year or two, or or, or whatever. But uh, congratulations to Thurston. I mean, you're talking about a kid that was a two star coming out of high school, a self-made yeah. player who's took advantage of his opportunity to play at Miami and now is parlayed to making an NFL roster. Um, so, you know, I don't know what, yeah, what you know. Yeah, I definitely thought that that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. I was surprised, but, um, yeah, definitely happy for him. I was just kind of, I guess to me, it was just maybe more, maybe more even questioning the scheme on defense, but, um, I don't know. I'm not, haven't been sold on an defense yet, but who knows? Maybe we'll be a little bit better this year. I think a lot of that might have to do with, the fact that, you, like you said, we're rotating so many guys, and if we didn't have the depth, then rotating these guys in and out um, when you don't have good backups can make the whole defense look bad. Like, you know, if one guy's missing an assignment, it can blow the whole play. Um, 
so that's just kind of what I had to say about that. The second thing was um, is um, FAU they had they got 600 yards last week. Now, granted, they were playing Tulsa. Uh, do you think that's going to be any sort of test for our defense, or is it yes. just kind of? I mean, I know they're playing Tulsa. Yeah, <laughs> if you're getting 600 yards against anybody, you're a test. Okay, so it's going to be a lot tougher than Bethune Cookman. Let's put it that way. And and I think that's a good thing. You know, I, I think that yeah. you, you know Miami needs to be challenged a little bit here as they get ready for the latter part of their you know the the, the next not the latter part, but the next stage of their schedule. Yeah. And um, should they beat FAU? Obviously they should beat FAU, and they should beat them handily. Uh, I guess they're 17-point favorite. But uh, I think it's good that the defense is going to get tested a little bit Friday night. Good, yeah. yeah no. And the other thing I think is I think our, our DBs are loaded, personally. <laughs> um, I think we got a ton of, defense, of DB talent. Um, but you I don't do. know. What do you think about that? I'm not, I think you have a lot of – a lot of very good DB talent. Uh, I'm not sure you have a lot of elite DB talent. I mean, I think Artie Burns is going to get drafted. Uh, for example, I don't. I, I don't think Tracy Howard will. Uh, Corn Elder, I think, has a chance to develop into a draftable player by next year. Um, I think Jenkins could play his way into being a draftable player. I don't think that Dallas Crawford will be drafted. I think Deion Bush will be drafted at some point. Um, so you know, you've got a some serviceable players in secondary, no question about it. Um, now what you'd like to see is some guys jump off the page a little bit and, and emerge as impact-type players. It, the only problem is to do so, they got to be on the field. And that's where the yeah. rotation kind of comes <laughs> Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I alluded to earlier, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's tough then, uh, to be a superstar when you're playing a series or two and then taking off a couple series, you know? What do you think we're going to do with uh, kick returner, speaking about Corn Elder? Because he was, what, like third string coming in, but we just had yeah, the two I, I injuries to Coley and Barrett. And... Yeah, you can't take him off the field. I mean, how do you take him yeah. out of that? <laughs> you have to leave <laughs> kind of Berrios, pretty well. Berrios is going to be out for a couple weeks anyway, so Corn Elder, I'm sure, will stay there this week. Um, kickoff returns, I don't know if they'll put Coley back there or not. Uh, you might see Mark Walton a little bit in that role. We'll see. Um, he's He's one guy in particular that they've been working quite a bit. At kickoff return, but uh, you know, year can you know can obviously do it, and they've got different guys they could put back there. All right, cool. And then the last thing I got is just uh, where do you see Mohammed right now? Is he moving up the depth chart? I know he wasn't on uh, he wasn't on scout team this week. Um, do you think he was just down at that third string just because he was being suspended, or is there any movement with him? Slash, I mean, I'm sure I'll probably get an opportunity at some He's point uh, during the game on Saturday. You know, um, my guess is they're a little annoyed with him. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I know I, w- 